Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to From the Ground Up podcast. So we have an awesome episode lined up for you. Double Trouble talking about the Daytona Reptile Show that was last weekend. But before we do that, please check out Snake Discovery. They are sponsoring this podcast. So check out Emily and Ed and all the animals that they have, as well as their YouTube videos. They have lots of awesome videos, as well as some awesome animals becoming available. So please go check them out. And if you could, please go check out PortCityPet.com. So I have some substrates available. I am. I just took pictures of uh, gecko ledges as well as coconut hides today. And I am working on a new substrate mixture. So I will tell you guys all about that later. Um, I actually just got done dropping off a whole bunch of substrates. So I'm, I'm also excited to tell you about that. Um, other than that, that's really all I've got for you. Kind of a little bit of a teaser of what, of what we've been, uh, what's been going on here. That's really it because I want to talk about Daytona Reptile Show. So we are going to have, and these are two guys who are not strangers to the podcast. We have Phil as well as Justin. What up, How's it going, up? fellas? How are we doing? Hello. So I'm, uh, I'm sharing the link around real quick on the various platforms. Oh, that's important. I appreciate it. So, Phil, I know uh, Justin is not, he was not a Daytona virgin, but he's still, uh, he's still pretty young in the game as far as Daytona goes. But when was the first time you were at Daytona? And was it Daytona? Yeah, the first time I was at Daytona was 2004. And it was drastically different than what it is today. Um, a lot of the same vendors, but a lot of vendors that don't come south anymore. Um, there also used to be venomous and large constrictors, which there isn't anymore. So it, it's still the same old homely show. Like it's our show, but it's evolved into something completely different. Now, I always hear people say how Daytona is not what it used to be in quotes. Is it that it's not what it used to be or are there now just other shows that are compete with it in size? Um, I would say that I've never been to Tinley. I've never been to Pomona, but I've been to Hamburg and I've been to South Carolina in both uh, Columbia and Myrtle Beach. I've been to those shows. And I would say that Daytona has always been a large show. But from what I gathered back in the day, it was the show in the U.S. This year was yeah. like its 31st year. I mean, it's definitely got to be one of the longest running shows, if not the longest running show. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So as far as uh, vendors go, is there anything in particular that you guys saw as far as setups and stuff like that? Is that stuff that you guys that you guys look out for? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Billy's uh, table, which is where we were hanging out a good bit of the time. Billy always – like, Billy put real effort and money into his, his table setup, and it just it looks really good, man. It looks so clean. He's got the LED lights. He's got the – like the acrylic cases and everything like that, and so Billy's got it. Ulubami reptiles. Yes, Billy's got it down pat. 
Yeah, it was actually uh, just over at the Podfather's house. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't <laughs> know we were swapping over. Uh, Billy's going to be on Morelia Python yeah. Radio tonight. Yeah, him oh. and Casey. Yeah, I guess talking about Daytona and nor Eric and I knew that we were both having these exact shows uh, until about a half hour ago. <clears throat> More like two hours ago. It's good, man. I like it. Yeah, it was funny. But is there, um, as far as, are there any like special, I know, especially when I go to Tinley, I mean, Tinley, there's always a few unique setups, um, whether it's Rare Earth or say like Garrett Hartle setup and stuff like that. Is there anything in particular that was different? I don't um, think so. Not for me, at least. Well, I'll tell you, just like observations for COVID, because this has been my first show during all the COVID stuff, is that they promoted the show as being like completely sold out of the vendor tables and completely sold out in terms of the hotel rooms and all this other stuff. But it looked very spare, sparse, excuse me. And I realized that it wasn't because people weren't there, it's because they, they, they widened everything to make it, you know, social distancing, which I thought was really cool. Um, the aisles were almost double the width as they normally were. Um, and then you had people that were legitimately spaced out. Uh, which is great for myself who doesn't like to be elbow to elbow, even if there isn't a pandemic going on, you know what I mean? Um, but there was also a lot of people that were moved around, which was interesting because like, for example, there's an uh, older gentleman who drives down from New York who sells uh, reptile and amphibian books. And he's like the book guy, he's a major book collector. And he's always had the same little tiny two table spot. And this year they kind of put him in the corner, but he had like four or five tables and he could sprawl everything out. And it was very, it, it was good looking. So it was nice to see a, a decor change. You know what I mean? So despite there being more room and larger aisles, was there still the same amount of vendors or did they whittle it down a little bit? I think there was, the, there was a, a, an adequate amount of vendors to make the show worthwhile. I think there was less vendors. And I don't know if that was because of COVID or because of people have just been, messed up the past six months you know um there's certain individuals like uh dr elliot jacobson from uh university of florida he's one of the leading dramarcon breeders in the country you know he usually has a table with a ton of different specimen on it and it's funny because usually by like saturday morning at you know 11 30 uh, noon he sold out of all his animals but like he wasn't there um again he's an older gentleman and i can understand why he might not want to come uh couple other smaller breeders that I know didn't come because of Tegu and Iguana stuff. You know, they're banned in Florida now, so who knows? Any number of things. Uh-oh. We lost him. I am the captain now. You're the captain. Thank God you have good team. <clears throat> it was fun. It was a great time, man. I, uh... I don't want to talk too much about it because I know Joe's coming back. <laughs> well, I, I wrote an article on it for the magazine, actually, for this upcoming issue. I cranked it out. And, uh, you know, it definitely was interesting as far as the COVID thing, because I don't think anybody really knew how it was going to play out. You know, was it going to be a complete free-for-all because, you know, half the people weren't wearing masks, half the people were, which wasn't the case. But, right, right. You know. It was surprisingly, that's, that's one of the things I talked about the most was like, I was, I don't think I saw anybody in there that wasn't wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Which was impressive. It but was. I also it think was part impressive. of that was, was the door people were probably like, look, 
you either come in with one or you don't come in at all. And, is that uh, Norman, Florida at the moment? We're in mass in all stores. Is that still going yeah, on? For the most part, um, I think that I think stores that are, I think there's a lot of stores that, that mandate it. And there's a lot of stores where they're almost afraid to mandate it because they don't want to piss off the clientele. Um, but at the same time, certain counties like my county, um, Broward and Palm Beach, it's mandatory. And they also have curfews on certain businesses. So like bars and restaurants, you have to be closed, completely closed, not done by 10 p.m. So certain things. Yeah, because I think that was that was a big qualm about some of the shows that have been going on here is that like it's really willy nilly. So uh, it's nice to see at least that everyone's at least you know, trying to do their best. Yeah, and I think a lot of it was just people were willing to like whatever it took to to have a reptile show again. You know, yeah. Like it's. Yeah. I know some of the Repticons have still been going on, and it sounds like those haven't been too bad either. But I don't know. I mean, just it seemed like the mask. I didn't hear anybody complaining about having to wear a mask. I didn't hear like see anybody not wearing a mask. Everyone seemed to be pretty pretty down with it and i think maybe it's just because we're at a point where we're just used to wearing it all the time but might be oh. how did it seem attendance wise i mean do you think that there were less people there from or because of covid or see that's that's tough because yeah they spread everything out more so it does seem like maybe there was less people i was helping reptiles express with some live stream stuff and they talked to wayne hill and i think he was saying that it was like a record year whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. It was kind of hard to tell. Like it seemed to me, it seemed like there weren't as many people as last year. But at the same time, like I said, because everything was more spaced out, I think maybe that that may have made it appear to be slower than it actually was. But who knows? Well, I'll say this too: is uh, Justin, I don't know what time you got to the show, but uh, I was fashionably late due to uh, previous entertainment the night before, and. <clears throat> Usually we get there like an hour, hour and a half early and we all stand in line in like the queue line in the massive hallways of the convention center. This year they didn't do that because of social distancing. They basically had one single line that wrapped all the way around the entire backside of the convention center. That's a big building for anybody that doesn't it's know. It's a that. huge building. It had to have been, what would you say, maybe three or four hundred yards long? No way. There's no way yeah. it's that. You think? It's a you figure each side of the building is at least 100 yards, minimum. I just, I just know it's exhausting to have to walk around. Yeah, it's exhausting to have to walk around the entire building. So um, the people were lined around the entire building. So when you look at it like that, it's very impressive and like, wow, that's a lot of people. But then you think about it, it's like probably the same amount of people that they're just like S-coiled normally in the hallway. Like packed, like a packed. mitochondria powerhouse yes. of the cell most or not definitely. the mitochondria the uh endoplasmic reticulum yeah all yeah. coiled up in there so sure whatever he said uh yeah man but it, was, it sounds like it was an awesome show um was there anything animal wise um any particular animals that you saw that that surprised you or that you don't see very often bears rats bear rats a ton of bears rats. I love it. I've never, I've never seen that many bears in a show. It was amazing. Yeah, I would have bought every single one in that building if I could have. All of them. I guess that's probably something that you get down there in Florida. You get a lot of uh, older school colubrid folks. 
that we certainly mm -hmm. don't have here up at our shows. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There was a lot of a lot of good colubrids and a lot of good price tags on colubrids. Um, I remember <clears throat> a long time ago, colubrids were, were pretty cheap. And now they're not because fewer and fewer people are breeding them. And the ones that are breeding them, they're tip-top quality and they deserve the appropriate price tag. You know, I saw some uh, locality-specific California king snakes that were well in excess of $100. Um, uh, There's a lot of kings. A lot of kings. Desert kings, black kings, um, tons of different corn variations. You know, uh, Abbott was there, which is awesome, showing off his crazy genetics. Best corns in the world, man. Best corns in the world. No offense, Joe. Well, I mean, I think he's, he's a super got, nice guy, he's, too. He's got many decades on me. Yeah. One thing that I noticed, uh, which I had only seen previously, at the, the only time I'd ever seen that Daytona previously was this last year's Daytona, which was, uh, 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 I'm always going to say wrong, Strophurus geckos, the golden tails that shoot the sticky stuff out of their butt. Mm -hmm. I saw three different breeders with them, all great looking specimens. That was impressive to me, you know, seeing rare and off the wall kind of stuff. <clears throat> so I feel like there's so much stuff I missed. Like I saw people posting pictures of things. I'm like, I don't even remember seeing that. But at the same time, I, I don't know. Like I didn't really slowly walk through the show and really look at all the tables. It was like searching for Bairds, searching for Subox, you know, Chondros. There really wasn't any decent. There was some. There was one Chondro in particular that was really nice. And it was a Wayago. It was also an import. It looked kind of rough. And then there was just sort of your average, like, imported Arus, imported Biox, imported Saurons. Like, you know, there's never any, you notice that there's never any captive bred Chondras for sale at any shows ever. Yeah. I mean, it just seems as though people don't, Chondras sell well online. And I think I people just. <clears throat> and I think the internet also put a hurt on this show, too. Because I feel like there was plenty of people, plenty of breeders that opted out because they had sold their product online or they planned on selling their, their produce their production. Yeah, I think that's why. I mean, even people ask, you know, why am I not doing shows? Yes, it's COVID at the same time, like snakes are selling online. There's not even a reason to do shows. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But and I'm I'm kind of of that opinion with shows. It's like when you look at the cost of gas, when you look at the cost of hotels, when you look at the cost of tables, you look at the cost of, you know, food and all that stuff. It's like you have to damn near sell out in order to really, I think, you know, make anything out of it. And so for me, like, if I were wanting to do the magazine uh, to have a booth next year, and you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to do every show I can. Like I'd rather do one or two huge shows like Tinley or Daytona where I know I'm probably not going to make a ton of money and that's okay. Cause I'm going to be there anyways, just hanging out whether I'm vending or not. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's about the experience. It's about hanging out with everybody for yeah. me, you know, show is just a bonus. <laughs> it's also, especially having something like for the magazine. I mean, that is a perfect Tinley or Daytona is a perfect venue because I mean, a Repticon, you're going to get a bunch of family <laughs> with, with kids and stuff like that coming by, these are going to be like the very serious herpers at your Daytona, your Tinley. And that's really your market more so than, you know, the soccer mom with, with three kids with her. As yeah. long as they can read, I don't care who wants it. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's true. That's point. true. I'm sure. I'm sure. If you brought hard copies of the magazine, you would sell a shit ton of them. I want to. Yeah, and that the only issue there is it's just like there's a very large upfront cost with printing in bulk, so we'd have to sort of plan it accordingly. We tried to get in last minute this year, and we thought about just having some shirts and stuff. Um, so we're gonna plan it a lot better next year and make it happen. It will happen. It will happen. So. Yeah, I think if you even if you can't do it, man, I I bet a bunch of us would if you were able to like kickstart it type of idea just with just with the the people who are interested in seeing the magazine continue to exist, man. I mean, I'm sure so many of us including myself would be glad to support that just to to make it happen. Yeah, it's not crazy expensive to to print in bulk. It's just you have to print so much that it's expensive. Yeah. You know what I mean, like they're not they're not I mean, I would do say, you know, we give we give you a certain amount of money, and if you don't end up selling them all at the show, you know, give some to me. I'll sell some on my website. I'll buy, you know, a certain amount of them and whatever, and then we can all sell them individually at shows. A lot of us do shows, and uh, yeah. So even if you had to print a shit ton of them, we could find we could find yeah. homes for them. Well, the nice thing is too is like unlike snakes you know obviously you're not having to take care of dry goods and yeah <laughs> you know we can sell them cheaper than what we sell them for with the print on demand service which is something we want to do like we'd, we'd love to be able to have it so that we can order them each month and just mail them out ourselves but that's uh that requires a lot of like continual sort of capital coming in in order to do that but i don't know we'll see Sweet. it's still still in its infancy and i'm still not uh hey yeah, yeah, I framed, uh, I framed this one. Excellent. The one issue that still haunts me. Why? <laughs> because we had like a lot of language in that one. Like that was, that was when we were kind of like I was telling Billy I was like, man, it's fine. It's just we'll have language if parents don't like it, they don't like it. And then I got a handful of complaints. I was like, never mind. So be nice. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't I didn't realize that now it's clean. It is now after that issue. Yeah, that was the only issue that we had any and I'm not going back and redoing the whole thing, so that was one of the best issues though, man. That was our first issue. It was. You know? It's funny to see how it like looking at when we use our old design program or when I use our old design program, watching it sort of evolve from being sort of Trying to get my screen to correct. It's oh, I see the color orange. Now. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but yeah, man, I don't think. I mean, for for us, that doesn't detract from the issue by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I had some teachers that were like, you know, I really want to show this to my students and have them read it, but I can't really do that if mm. you know you got that crazy British bastard dropping f bombs and stuff. <laughs> I'm so I'm so yeah out of touch with how normal people live in society. I'm just like yeah, I hang out with fellow savages and we talk snake stuff. I mean, I don't really think about the fact that you know this, there's good information here in which you know I'm sure you could share in a legitimate setting and and you know teach people different things about these animals. So makes sense. You know what's funny is Zach Lofman, who you've had on the show. And who we're gonna have on THP on the third? Uh, 
he has a herpeticulture class that he teaches. He's a professor of, and he told me he makes the magazine required reading, which I thought was wow. That's fucking cool. Awesome, man. I didn't hear that. When, when is that? I told you that. I don't remember. But that's awesome. But I'm curious to hear like what that class sort of is all about. Is it like just showing people this is what happens when you ask a question in a in a reptile group and you just see the the battle ensue and take notes. <laughs> Maybe jump in there with a comment or two, stir the pot. Where where is he a professor at? A university. university. Yeah, it's in West Virginia, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would yeah. be amazing to sit on it's sitting on a couple of those classes. Yeah, I think uh, and he does they do have like an online degree. I mean, if anyone was say listening to this podcast who has a bachelor's, I believe you can do a master's online. And it's like very catered to like her pet culture, not even, uh, not even necessarily, you know, the academic side of it. Uh, they do a lot of like husbandry stuff and a lot of really, really cool, a lot of cool things. And he's actually one of the few, you know, academics that doesn't completely ignore us. Right. Yeah. He's a very cool guy. He's, he's awesome, man. I'm super excited to get him on the show because, I mean, after watching him on yours semi-recently and within the last couple months, right, you know, hearing him talk about crypto and stuff, just I have so many questions that I want to ask him, not only about that, but about, you know, just the professorship and all that stuff. So, uh, And cool, he's, he's, kept, he's kept a lot of cool stuff, too. You know, he's, he's a cool oh, guy. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he produced a whole bunch of false water cobras this year. As well as some Barons racers, I think. He has, he has freaking crawfish named after him. <laughs> also cool. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, and they're super dope looking. I'll bring one up in one second here. Yeah. It's like crazy blue, right? Yeah, so he's definitely named a whole bunch of a bunch of different species. Sorry, Zach, I don't I don't know. He's the crawdaddy. Which ones exactly, but I'll pull up some of the ones at least that come up. Dude, that's a freaking lobster. <laughs> yeah, that, that ain't a crawfish. That's a freaking lobster. Yeah, but this one is is the one that's named after him, this cool-ass blue one. That's so cool. Isn't that dope? I wonder if how they taste. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I've fed that to a Google monitor once or twice. No, and these are like, you know, right right in our backyard. I mean, say if you're in the Midwest or something like that, like these things are in Ohio and you know, no one's ever seen them before and they're blue. That's crazy. It looks like an emperor scorpion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pandemus. Imagine that thing like walking across your yard. It's awesome. He's second yeah. guessing my sanity. Dude, we should we should keep crawfish. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? It should be kind of cool. I've uh I've tried to in a tank. Yeah. Yeah, it's never went that great. We had some at a nature center I worked at, and it was fun to throw like some thawed out shrimp in there and watch them like kind of fight over it. And you, there's always one that like takes them and runs, and you know they had their own little like territories and stuff. It was, and then one of them ends up with one of the other's claws in their claw. And yeah, probably. I don't remember that happening, but I'm sure used to, someone always lose an arm. I used That's to keep right. a 10 gallon tank in my old bedroom, my parents' house, and I would buy like 10 or 15 of them from PetSmart or Petco or whatever, 
and I would, you know, randomly feed them to Joomerals and Mangrove monitors. And that was just the coolest thing ever to watch. It was like, watch this lizard dive into, you know, black water and or pluck out these crustaceans and crush them with their mouth. Like a freaking hawk. Like a hawk. Like a bird. You keep those animals outside? Me? Yeah. No, no, it was indoors. It was indoors. I had like uh, I basically had uh, oak tree limbs that I shaved down and soaked in water and left them in left them in the water in the tank and there was like an elevated platform and uh, they were in 50 gallon tanks on top of each other put some neon tetras in there i know how much ryan cox loves neon tetras or loves tetras in general he's on a fish kick right now it's awesome nerds (laughs) yeah man i'm trying not to uh because i've been talking to him about fish and i've wanted fish for quite a while i just got geckos Uh, a lot of things are happening yeah. It's branching out. I think I'm, I mean, I'm officially one person in a three bedroom house. And now I have, now I have like 20 animals in my bedroom. That's how low I am on space. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or so sad, wait, so depending how, on many those, how many of those animals are in displays, like actual displays? Uh, I just put the olive python in the bedroom in an eight foot enclosure. Nice. Um, So that's like the only one that's on a legit display in which that I, well, and then I have an Amazon here that's on display. Uh, I have two Slowinski's corn snakes that are in uh, three foot enclosures. And then I have an Emery rat snake that's in a three foot enclosure. Otherwise, you know, everything else is, is in tubs. Okay. I was going to say, man, you got to like, smush some stuff to the side so that you can have some bomb ass displays in like the guest bedroom and stuff. Yeah, though that's that's the shipping room. So that has well it has it has a rack with with carpet pythons and uh pine snakes. And then most of it's just shipping, shipping materials. But uh Real cool. But dude, I've been loving having the the olive python right next to my bed and just watching her. <laughs> That's the best way to observe it, man. And like, uh, I have a deep heat projector, and which is basically like I didn't know that this existed, but our, uh, Arcadia makes a deep heat projector in which it gives off infrared A and B, but it doesn't give off visible light. Really? And yeah. So it's just like I don't know. It makes me feel good for some reason. I am super super weird about having lights out in the house. I'm like, uh, I don't know like someone's dad or some shit. Uh, it's like, you know, turn those fucking lights off. It yeah. makes me go crazy. So yeah, it makes me feel good. It's like, it's, I, I forget that my electric bill is going up. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> remind me. How do you know it's on? You have night vision? It, uh, it's on. Okay. <laughs> you just walk around the house with night vision goggles on at night. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know if, like, there's Military grade. I don't know if there was like a lens they give you, like look through to see if it's on or something, or like a pilot light. I don't know. Three D glasses. Three D glasses, right? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just wave your hand under it; it's on. But, uh, <laughs> That's still cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and like still, she'll. Are you still doing day night cycle or no? 
No. So that's what I haven't figured out. Maybe I should, I should probably do that. Um, I don't know exactly how I would, how I would make that work, but what is it like? Uh, there's a Herbstat or something where you can set times. You just get an old school wall timer, you know, the dial. But it's, do I want it to go totally off and go? Maybe well, I do. If you're using it for ultraviolet, you know, radiation, there's going to be very, very little to none of that at night. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I still need heat. Oh, which is, so oh. should I? Should I swap out? You know, a different heat source, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm. It's not perfect, man. I'm trying to see see what works. It's still badass though. You got a friggin' giant olive in your bedroom. That's awesome. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't know that she was eight feet until you know she stretched out in the enclosure. That's like cool. Speaking of liasis, or liasis, depending. Liasis. Liasis. Phil got him some liasis. I did. I was feeling fussy. <laughs> but yeah, I got finally nabbed a female fuscus. Nice. And, Not uh, just any fuscus. Queensland. Ah. Queensland locality fuscus. And so now I have a pair. And uh, it is to my knowledge that they are clutch mates. But I've come to terms with that because I can't find Queensland's anywhere else. So I was going to say, there's probably comes from a very small group of animals to begin with. So I'm sure mm -hmm. it kind of doesn't matter. Well, yeah, right, right into oblivion. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right. Well, they're both champion specimens, in my opinion. Um, the iridescence is crazy. And like, it the, is. Orange belly and just the heads are they're perfectly proportionate. There's no like eye bulging or anything. I mean, let's face it, they are kind of a derpy snake, but I'm like really pleased and really happy that I finally got my hands on them and they're good quality animals. So Am I accurate in saying that they're they seem darker than other waters? Yeah, most definitely. Like I feel like that one was a lot darker compared to the one Jake used to have. Yeah, and I don't know if Jake had a New Guinea or what, but I know Nipper showed me some pictures of his fog dams and stuff, and mine are definitely darker than those. It also is so dependent on the light in which they're in for mm -hmm. so many different reasons. So, yeah, maybe if you had those animals next to each other, they may look different. Or, uh, But, yeah, I, I looked at I looked at Eric's, Eric's Queensland actually literally just, just today, and it oh, cool. uh, looks – Looks like mine, maybe not, but I've seen those the New Guinea animals look a little bit different. Um, yeah, mine just I was just told Australian, which I don't know whether I can the olive or you have waters too. Yeah, I have a fuscus. Oh, sweet. Yep, I have a, a female, a female that's like four or so. Oh, nice. How big is she? Uh, she's probably about six feet. Nice, nice. Let me ask you, how much time does she actually spend in the water? Um, I don't know. I don't. Embarrassingly enough, I do not have a water bowl big enough for her to like actually okay. submerge in. But it is. It's, she's she doesn't hug the water bowl. She doesn't try to be in the water really at all. Right, in half out kind of thing. No, I need to honestly. I I want to put her in a four foot cage. And then mm -hmm. I'll put my my diamond jungle in a four foot cage, actually on top of that olive enclosure. 
and uh and then i'll do that i'll give her a big like feeding trough type of thing because that's what the olive has now like one of those big rubber feeding yeah. troughs for some type of farm animal or like oil pan but uh so yeah i'll need to do that and then i would be curious because obviously in the wild they're spending you know probably a, a good amount of time in the water uh, water yeah. i mean i just love touching them like they the, the texture and the smoothness and the scales like it definitively is something that you'd expect to be aquatic it's just different man i mean olives are kind of the same way they just have those little scales so it's like so many little scales and make them just feel so much smoother than than so many of the other species but yeah and i mean you you've seen you've seen that picture of an olive eating like crocs off the side of a cliff or something like that so i don't think they're a stranger to that similar environment either yeah yeah yeah, really, Liasis, man, so cool. I would love some Sidon. I'm happy. They're like, they're kind of like, I could understand as a colubrid person why I like them more than most other pythons. They kind of have that, that head is not 100% python looking. The lack of a neck. Yes. Oh, the eyes, those white eyes. Eyes are awesome. How are yours temperament wise or your fuscus? They are super duper chill, like super relaxed. I mean, the female I've only had for two days now, but the male, as long as he sees you coming, he's super chill. Um, one time, uh, he was he's in a because they're babies still, he was in a paper towel roll. Like, I picked up the whole paper towel roll and like I went to touch his butt to like scoot him out the front and he reared back and almost got me. But the minute he saw that it was me and not a predator or something, he chilled out. That's the only time he's ever shown me aggression as of yet. So, yeah, I think, I think even though if, if yours are good as babies, then they're going to be super good as adults. Because mine was kind of a little bit testy as as a baby, but now is perfectly tame. Until you know, sometimes if you catch a shadow, you know, at the sure. right time, and it surprises her, she'll try to it or something like that but they're just australian erodia <laughs> really <big>. nah. <laughs> did you see that nature for you said waters yeah. are not as aquatic as their name suggests well i've learned that because the male that i have he's never sat i have a big giant water dish that's almost half the enclosure and he never goes in it. um but what i do think is interesting is just general observations of getting up with a female for like 48 hours, but she's always on the move so far. And the male, he literally just sits there and does nothing. And I know obviously she's in a new enclosure. She wants to sniff it out and kind of get an idea of what's what, but yeah. Wow. Look at that thing. That is fantastic. Those rainbow bows are sweet, man. <laughs> See now, do they say what locality that is? It's Australian. That's pretty Damn, cool. look at that. <laughs> it's like a very deflated. You can tell it's kind of deflated to begin with, but that's one hell of a meal. Yeah, right? Freaking swinging for the fences on that one. Right? All those Australian species just seem to be—they—they they do not care. 
Yeah, so they'll they'll try their best. Yeah, they'll they'll kill yeah. it and they'll try whether they actually get it down is dude. We need this jigsaw puzzle. Do you see that this picture is a jigsaw puzzle? Really? That's awesome. <laughs> That's the most random picture for a puzzle I've probably ever seen. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say this is probably I would say the Fuscus is probably one of my favorite snakes that I own. And I don't know if it's because like no one else gives a shit. Maybe it's one of those, but I mean she's just and they look super cool. Hell yeah. Yeah, and um I believe that's Scott in the comments. He was saying that, and um, Eric was actually just talking about this, that there's actually uh, possibly two species of these guys in Australia, um, east and west, essentially. Even though they look identical, there has been some DNA research has been done in which they're two different species. Was it done by actual scientists or was it done by Hoser? <laughs> this is done by actual scientists. What I think is funny is... I don't want to speak for Scott because obviously, you know, he is the man, but he was explaining to me that like certain things like his, his take on Harris and I is it is definitively a different animal and, de and deserving of a different name. And who cares what Hozier says? And see, that's interesting. The principle. It's the principle. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. They say they're bitey because, like, that my the only experience I've had, honestly, with them are these babies. So, like, I was expecting them to be, like, really pissed off, you know, D. Alberty, and they're not. They're super chill, which is kind of creepy to me. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's experiencing a lot more in the wild than yeah, <laughs> we yeah. are by a much different animal. Yeah. So, and I, and I think as though, like, if there was a normal individual who was handling even our water pythons that we say out are tame. I'm sure if like your average snake keeper or layman went and just went to go grab it, it would probably bite them. Like my female, if you treated it like, like a ball python or something, she'd, she'd bite you, but I can hook yeah. trainer and stuff like that and get her out. Sure. Dude, I, you gotta, when we're done with this, you gotta send me pictures of yours. Cause I had no idea you even have one. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't posted. I haven't. I just posted my olive on on Instagram like a few days ago, but I haven't posted anything about the water in a while. Yeah, join the club, Justin. Come on, man. You are due, my friend. Nah, I got you are. Uh, are you out of pythons now, or what? No, no way, man. Are you out of new pythons? <laughs> well, no, I got that scrub from Phil. I got that tannin bar, so I'm in the scrub club. Scrub club. Yep. I haven't played with them a whole lot. Phil, did you do this whole uh, fuck that shit type of idea? Drop it like it's hot? What, on the scrub? Yeah. No, man, no. I love that animal. I got that animal uh, specifically because I was like, you know what? This is a, a unique specimen, and uh, it's, I can't remember. Justin will remind me. It's either exanthic or asanthic. I can't remember. Um but the animal is phenomenal. It's it's super relaxed. It's a little defensive in the cage because it doesn't want you to yoink it out of its enclosure. But it eats like a champ. It poops like a champ. It's just a it's just a great animal. It was fun to play with and interact with. Um, but I realized that my passions have maybe gone elsewhere. And as much as I wanted to get you know big scrubs and cool scrubs, I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to do scrubs right now. I really want to focus on the waters. 
And I still want to do some gecko stuff too. So I was like, you know what? Let me give that thing to Justin. He'll appreciate it and uh, and go from there. Maybe he'll produce some in the future and I'll get babies from him. Who knows? If I can hunt down a female. Yeah. They're cool. It's cool. Uh, this, uh, this is my first scrub. I mean, other than playing with Jake's, I really haven't haven't done much with them. And I mean, if it were a normal, if it were like a bar neck or something, I probably wouldn't have, have done it. But because it's tannin bars, which are the smallest of them all, I believe, uh, you know, it's like, why not? It's not going to take up a ton of space, which I'm already pretty tight on to begin with. So, Yeah. Does Jake have tannin bars? No, he just has one one uh, southern. He's been he, on the hunt for female forever, but I don't know that he's ever actually going to get one. He's rather upset that Justin has it, from what I gather. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. <laughs> well, you you picked up uh, an animal for him, didn't you? I picked up a pair of those uh, those white oak gray rats. Nice. Um, he got a pair of those from Chris Montross. Yeah. So I picked those up for him while I was down there. Those are pretty nice. I didn't really spend a whole lot of time checking those out either. I pretty much just got them and left them in the room and then went on about my weekend. But I did open them up and look at them for a few minutes one morning. And they are very pretty. I mean, one of them's already looking pretty pretty pale. So those things are sweet. Yeah, I think that's one of the more fun rat snakes. I mean, in comparison <laughs> to working with, with blacks or working with westerns for sure um i found my grays at least are pretty chill pretty straightforward to work with and then just super cool looking yeah i love i mean they're really high white ones man that's hard to beat those are those are really smoking animals oh and especially because chris as you know our locality and you know legit 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 but i got some stickers from him and a shirt so that was, I guess, my, my payment for delivery. Yeah, that's not bad. So wh- where'd you end up getting those uh, those bear dye from? Um, so the Mexican pair came from Ron Allen, um, who I, I talk to on a pretty regular basis because, you know, he produces a good bit of bears. Um, I picked his brain on, on it a pretty good bit. And then the Texas pair came from one of his buddies. So what the deal was is I took a what was what I thought was a pair of Desert Kings because that's what I told I was told they were. I didn't double check them or anything. So backstory further. My dad had a bunch of king snakes. He got a promotion at work. He didn't have much time for them, so he had me just sell them all. So he had a pair of Desert Kings he got that were supposed to be a pair. So I took them down to Daytona to sell uh Saturday, I had a couple people who were like, yeah, I'll check them. You know, I'll come by tomorrow if they're still there. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. Uh, then Sunday rolled around. They were still there. And so I just, I, I messaged Ron uh, on Facebook. I was like, hey, I was like, if you want these Desert Kings, like I will straight up trade. Like if you want to trade me two male bears, two female bears, a pair, like whatever you got that you feel like you don't want to go home with, like I will trade you these for some bears. And so he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, well, no, no, I don't have any normals uh, like Texas. Uh, but my buddy has some that he just hatched out and they're at my table over here now. So, you know, if you come over here and bring those Splendida, you know, we'll make it happen. And I did. And, of course, as I go to pick through the, the little tub of bears he had, he's like, yeah, those those Desert Kings were two females. 
I was like, he's like, I, he's like, it's fine. I don't care. I guess two females is probably better than two males. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Here's the Fuscus. I didn't get any dart frogs, Reed. There really wasn't that many dart frogs at the show. I was there surprised. Was. There really wasn't. And if, if I, there was, it was like Luke's, it was Aratus, it was Azurius, it was, you know, it was your kind of run of the mill bread and butter. I uh, actually had someone on the lookout for an animal for me, but no dice. I thought in Florida we would we would have some luck, but I. What are you looking for? I, I've been pretty ready to pull the trigger on Cyclora Carnuta, man. Mm. Um, I saw hybrids. I want I want a blue line female. Um, and the blue line is something that I've seen a couple different places, but I haven't seen any available as of the last like year or so. But yeah, I'm I really particular. Yes, I would yeah, love to have what's that, Phil? No, the thing is I feel like the people that do specifically blue line stuff. It's very much like you got to get in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like they trade themselves. Yeah. And I've I've asked with uh, no answers so far. So if anyone has any any uh, good leads on who who breeds them, I have some people on the West Coast, but I don't. I figured that there was someone in Florida that had of. I'm, I'm sure there was. animals. And you so want, you want Illuminati. I want a female, just one female. Pure, you don't want like Lewisite blood or anything. No. Yeah. Because okay. no. there's, there's obviously I could get a Grand Cayman iguana, right? Lewisite hybrid with the Nubla, mm-hmm. and, uh, but yeah, I would much rather, much rather have a rhino. In which, I mean, obviously people know that they start that they're predominantly gray, but I guess there's ones that have a little bit of a blue tint and then they bred. One that's a little bit of blue tint to blue tint. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Because honestly, the the Grand Caymans, I would want a male. Just because the males are the ones with the red eyes and the most striking blue. Of course. But uh, I don't really want to fuck with a male iguana, I'm going to be honest, of any species. I'm just going to go to be safe. To be safe. And because I live in PA, I don't get get the, uh, I don't get the luxury of having it outside 12, you know, months out of the year. So I need, I need something that I can trust a little bit more and that I can really work with. Not that a male, you know, not that I couldn't make a male work, but I don't really want to take a chance with uh, hormones. And I've even heard that females can be a little bit weird once they get to reproduction age as well. Well, Matt and Jamie had a really big uh, rhino. Look at that. We were just talking yeah, about it. I was say, Matt and Jamie had a really big rhino, and that thing was – all of six foot and diesel and that thing would sit in your lap and you could pet it like a dog but it had massive massive human exposure and was completely desensitized to humans yeah i mean that's what i would do where you know like i have the olive in my bedroom i'd put the rhino in my bedroom and really um i used to have uh tinosaurus melanosterna or the honduran black-chested nice. uh, spiny tail iguana yeah and they're very skittish but i finally got it to the point where like it would come it would come on my hand and i can feed it i can hand feed it and do all that stuff and have interactions kind of on his accord and that's Mm -hmm. something that i want to get back to as far as having some like legitimate interactions with animals 
rather than snakes, you know, it's kind of like this thing's going to bite me. This thing's not going to. Yes, no. There are some interactions, but there's no true trust building happening, at least that you can feel like you can with uh, with an iguana. True. Or probably a monitor lizard. Yeah. It's yeah, like a so pair, man. You got to put a lot of a lot of time into them. Can't just yeah yeah man. Can't just leave them alone and expect them to be a okay with you. You know, intruding and being all up in their grill. And what it would be good that you had in your bedroom because the thing's going to see you every single day, multiple times a day. You know, and and watch you and all of your habits, and you're going to watch it and all of its habits, and it's just going to build that bond better just because you have all that exposure to it. Yeah, and I, I really thought that I wanted to get it during quarantine because obviously I'm not doing anything. I'm here yeah, most of the yeah. time. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think that will happen. with with the Because if I'm going to get one animal, it's going to be the exact animal that I want. So just going to wait on that blue line stuff and try to look more into that. Yeah, man. It'll be so much worth it when you finally do get it. It'll be so much more special. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I only want to do it once, and they live forever. So, uh yeah. <laughs> so I only have to do it once, but Ferengis yeah, uh, are great pets, but we can't get them. We can't have them. And if we can, I'll rub it in, Scott. A legit kidney. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I've seen some of those Bell's Phase lace monitors at at some shows uh, here in the. I know the guy from Leaping Leeches has them uh, at Hamburg and stuff, dude. Crazy. There was somebody who had them at Daytona. Was there? There were. There was a one big like 75 gallon air enclosure, like the front was glass, but the sides were screen or something like that. And there was three laces in there. I all of which were that. two foot. There was two normals and one bells. And I think the bells was like 8,900 or 8,500. Yeah, that's uh Must honestly. be nice, pal. <laughs> <laughs> we have bear rat snakes. We do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we have every other species not on the continent. So that's, I mean, you know, I think it's it's good being able to to choose from animals. But Australia, if you if you're stuck on one continent, Australia is definitely the way to go, hands down. So Justin, did you see um, with with the bears and stuff like that? Are you super particular as far as like, are you looking for parent pictures? Because if people don't know, like these things start off gray, they all pretty much start off the same, right? Yeah, um, like last year, I got a female from Travis uh, was at Weisler's table, and I asked for parent pictures, and they sent them to me, and they were really good looking. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I there's I have one parent in particular that I got that are they had no information on them. I had no pictures of the parents, and I mean they're turning out pretty nice. So part of it, I guess, is kind of like chondras in a sense, where if you don't know, like I don't, it doesn't bother me if I don't have locality information or parent pictures, like. Cause it's just cool to watch them change. You don't know exactly what you're going to get. Um, but I mean, yeah, when I, when I can get pictures, I, I try to, but if the person's like, Oh, you know, I got these secondhand from somebody else. It's like no big deal. You know? So you have some that have that like metallic silvery mm-hmm. black look at a certain point, And then you have the others that are, you know, can get more red and purple and almost bluish. So what are the, Mexican versus Texas. What are the the color variations? Is there a typical coloration for for each one of those? Yeah, the Mexicans stand out because their head is gray, 
and then literally right at the base of the skull, it goes into that either like an orangish or a yellow. Uh, and so if you saw them next to each other, you'd definitely be able to tell what's what. Like, it's very obvious. I know there's some pictures on Google of, uh, of some Mexicans. Um, and I mean, there's not a ton of people in the, in the States that are really doing much with them. Uh, the Mexican localities at least, or I guess Barrett's period, but, um, yeah, the Mexicans have gotten relatively tough to come across. And so, you know, when Ron had some of this table, I was originally just going to get a female, but then he only had, I think, one or two males. And so I was like, I might as well just get another pair because I have a pair now. But, um, you know, those I don't have concrete background information on that says they are Mexicans. The, the You know, they have the phenotype, uh, which is hard to be misconstrued with anything else. Um, but knowing, like, having a pair that I know for a fact, like, these are you know, legitimate Mexican bears, um, is nice. And, you know, when, because there's so few guys doing stuff with that, that particular group, um, I guess, you know, like I'm, we need to, we're limited on our bloodline because as you know, you can't bring anything from Mexico. So we kind of have what we have. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a ton of different color variations. I actually was working on that today. I have a Google Drive folder where I basically went on iNaturalist, saved all those pictures, and labeled them as, like, have a folder for each county, and then labeled the picture of if it came from, like, a certain canyon or a certain area. Uh, and I did that just so I can, you know, have something to, like, go through and look at and see the variations in the different pockets. Because um, if you go on iNaturalist, you can definitely tell there's, like, certain sort of areas where there's a lot of bears and um i just there's so much variation i mean you have the loma altas which are those crazy silver ones um you know you have some that are like you were saying that sort of reddish color you got the mexicans that are completely different and there's cox says they're a metallic eastern rat snake which is not true well i had heard them i don't know where it was where i saw that someone called them a comic or the the common name metallic rat snake yeah i like that so some people that's accurate it sounds but, cool. um, yeah yeah right but they're I not i mean they look as metallic as a snake could look i'd say yeah i mean man if you in pictures don't really do them just if you saw one in your hands like it's straight up looks like they're made of metal like they're like a brushed steel almost. Um, and then I have a hypo and you know, you look at them and like their skin, like they look like they're made out of pearl. This just very soft white, you know, and that's another thing. Pictures just don't do them justice, but they're, that's cool. they're really cool. Yeah. And it seems as though there is a lot of variation in these animals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a lot like Alterna. Um, Maybe the locality stuff just isn't as hardcore as it is with Alterna, which I still kind of don't understand why it is the way it is. Because, you know, my dad hatched out some that look like a bunch of other localities that I've seen. So maybe there's just something I, I'm missing with those. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just the it's the case. And that was something me and Ron were talking about at the show was because I walked up, you know, Sunday, I think. And I was like, how are these not all sold yet, especially the Mexican ones? And he's like, well, if I did, you know, like what Lee Abbott does and had parents pictures out on the table, I bet you they'd be, they would have been gone yesterday, which is probably true because people see them and they're like, Oh, that's just a little gray rat snake. You know, they completely unfamiliar with it and they don't realize 
what they turn into and seeing the changes is it's very gradual but it's it's pretty cool because you just see that you know the, the baby pattern just completely slowly dissolve and fade away and cox needs to <laughs> i think i think it's also important especially with like you know like the gray bands and the the bear die it's I think I was talking to Noah Fields, who obviously has done a lot of field herping in West Texas. And I was like, oh, it must be crazy to see that like metallic looking animal. And it's like, no, I mean, I know what the ideal specimen looks right. like in that area, but most of them look like <laughs> shit compared to what you see in the hobby. So yeah, I mean, that's selective breeding over the last, you know, 20 or 30 years. But I mean, there are some that look really nice. Like a lot of the the Terrell County ones are always kind of my favorite. Um, you know, you do get some that that are like that high silver that look like they've been in that selective breeding sort of circle. But yeah, I mean, you see some of the Davis County ones and stuff like that, or the uh, Jeff Davis County ones look pretty ugly, I guess you could say. But it's another one of those things where I feel like if you saw it in, per in person, you'd probably have a better appreciation for it. You know, because sure. you, you do see the nuance in the color, and that's the big thing with Bairds is, you know, yeah, you know, from far away they don't look like much, but you really take a close look at them, and it's like, Jesus Christ, these things are awesome. So you're also, I mean, you're going Bairds. You got to go Trans-Pecos Ratsnake, right? I got a Subok. I got a Subok over the weekend. You know, I so Dusty Rhodes wrote that book, The Complete Subok. <clears throat> And I bought that book literally just for like the 10 pages on Baird's. But I decided to read the whole thing. And as I was reading it, I was like, these are actually really freaking cool. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, that, man. yeah, and you know, there wasn't, uh, there was one table that had some, they were all males. Um, you know, I, I went and got one Sunday because the price had dropped a little bit. And um, I mean, they're really cool. Everyone I've talked to says they're they're more like a python than they are a rat snake. You know, they're they're very interesting. And part of the allure for me with the subox in particular is like there's still a ton we don't know about them. Like there's a lot of mystery surrounding them. Uh, you really don't see females for sale very often, from what I've heard. People that have been herping out there and come across them, you know, road cruising and stuff. They're almost always males. Um, you know, they do this little like lip curl thing when they're kind of. Like they're 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 not feisty at all. They're they're pretty reluctant to bite, but they do this like lip curl thing to kind of tell you that they they don't want you around. Um, they're just really interesting snakes, and just the whole like that whole mysterious aspect of like we don't know 100% what's going on with them and why they are the way they are is really interesting. And I mean that I think that goes for the entire Bogertophis group. Uh, but I mean they are gorgeous snakes. Like handle in mine. You know, for the first time, I was like, holy crap, these things are awesome. And you get a lot of variation in those, too. You know, you get uh, just across Texas and stuff in their range. Like, you do get a lot of uh, different looks and phenotypes to them. Some exantic blonde. Yeah, man. The silvers are my favorite. I had a choice between blondes and the normals, and I decided to get a normal because the they just, I don't know. I'll get my hands on more eventually, but... You know, they're, they're kind of, they're tougher to breed. Like they're not as easy as, as your typical North American colubrids. Like they do require a little bit more finesse, which is another sort of appeal to me. Like I like, I like the challenge of things. Uh, you know, there's just, there's, there's so much, yeah. Yeah. Sunset. That's killer, dude. 
black lines in the neck. So I, yeah, I have a feeling that that's going to be another species. I, you know, if I can get my hands on more, I probably will. Uh, and I don't know. I've did so kind of funny to me that I've, I've gone so hard into like the West Texas stuff, you know, like I've, I've, that was a bug I never really thought I would get, you know, being like a Condro guy and a Morelia guy, but you know, West Texas is the, is the one place I really want to go. Oh, and that's really interesting too. So there's a species of tick that literally only p- attaches itself to subox. What? Really? Yeah. There's, there's a species of tick that is completely specific to subox. <laughs> it does not find, it does not attach itself to anything else. Wow. Sometimes they'll, you'll find people that wild, uh, they're wild caught and they'll have some of those ticks on them. And it's like, I think they're actually named, like after subox in some way or another, I, I forget the, I need to go back and read up on it, but that was really interesting. Like there's one tick that it only survives on subox. Dude, I think I'm about to buy a trans Pecos right now. I, like I said, females are tough to come across. And if, if the guy had had females at the table, I would have definitely spent the extra money and got a female. Cause I know males are going to be really easy to find, but females are, females are tough and females come at a premium. So I'm just thinking the the enclosure that you can make for that with the like rock background with different cracks like a cut. And are uh, we talking about someone who did like a, a zoo display? Phil, didn't we have someone on Sticks and Stogies that was doing a zoo display that had it was Kyle maybe that had a <clears throat> zoo display with Subox and no, it was actually in the book. So there's someone that did display with uh, I think Western Diamondbacks a Subox and. Maybe a Texas rat. I don't know. Pretty cool looking, but it had like cool. like how Cody did with his his twin spot cage. You know, yeah. it had like shelves and you know rock and it was they mimicked that that sort of area they come from. So awesome. And yes, Cox, because I talked to Nipper. Nipper is a horrible horrible influence. Yeah, just seeing him kind of drape over the rocks like this yeah. and super cool yeah it's interesting man because they you know they find that like normally with other north american colubrids you know you find a, a wild female or something and they you know an adult and you decide to take it home and throw it into your breeding group uh you know these like the females are notorious for doing really horribly when they're when they're picked up you know out of the out of the road or off the wherever you find them you know they don't they don't seem to do well they take a very long time to settle um sounds like guys have little to no success with breeding them. They just, they never seem to come around males. I think they're a little easier going, but still can be kind of troublesome. So the book really drives home. Like if you see wild caught subox for sale and you, you haven't dealt with them before, don't bother because you're, you're going to have nothing but headaches, you know, they're, so it's just, like I said, for a colubrid, like a North American colubrid, that's just super interesting to me that, you know, everything else is really a cakewalk you know, in the long run, but these guys, they just, like I said, they require a little more thought. It's a little more challenging. And, uh, I don't know. I like, I like that sort of challenge of being able to crack the code. It's like a Rubik's cube kind of, you know, you spend enough time working on it and figuring it out. And when you, when you're, you know, you get what you, what you're aiming for, it's, I don't know, it's more, more rewarding in the end. I think. Are you keeping them any different than say your other North American colubrids? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's another thing Chris Montross brought up when we were talking about him on THP is um, 
you know, he keeps all his Nerodian stuff. You have to give them a lot of ventilation. Like you don't want them to get stagnant at all. And subox are, are very similar. Like you want to give them uh, a lot of ventilation. You want to give them, you don't want to feed them huge meals. You want to feed them smaller stuff. Uh, and I think, you know, that kind of falls in line with, with all the breeding and stuff too. Like they're just, they're they're not it's not as easy as as corn snakes or bears where it's like just throw them together and you'll get eggs it's like these actually you have to really sort of plan and time it and do it all right to get what you what you want out of them but mine's in quarantine right now um i did drill some extra holes in the tub to get more airflow in there but uh once he's out i definitely want to get him something with a lot of ventilation in it um and I'm trying to figure kind of how I'll, how I'll do that because if he's in a rack, you know, with the heat and stuff, I don't want the heat to escape. So I'll likely just put a lot of lot of ventilation on the front half and leave the back because it's on back heat. Uh, leave the back more closed so it retains that a little better. They're cool snakes. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm on the team. I think I'm doing it. I don't know what it is about Texas, man. Like that's. I was when the first time I was on NPR, they were like, where do you want to herp anywhere in the world? And I'm like, West Texas. And they were like, everyone gets so disappointed with that answer. And I'm like, you don't have to travel across the world. Like there's a ton of cool species of rattlesnake and tarantula and scorpion and rat snake and, you know, the coral snakes. And it's just, that's a cool spot, man. It's, that's top of my list. It's definitely not the easiest terrain or the easiest place to find snakes either, which I think is, you know, even more interesting because it is very barren. <laughs> well, I'm in one of the alternative groups and I guess, I don't know who does it. I don't know if it's like a group of people that just like to mess with people who are road cruising or if it's like one individual, but they go and they paint rubber snakes like Alterna and put them in the rock, <laughs> rock faces and stuff to trick these guys, stopping their car, getting out and going looking just to find a rubber snake. Cause they post pictures about it all the time. They're like, I got, you know, I got, I got had by this one. And it's funny cause the way they paint them, they look spot on. Like if I was driving by and saw that, I'd be like, this totally an alternative sitting there on that. That is scrap. Well, I know uh U.S. fish and wildlife has been known to do that in certain uh, federal properties in South Florida. They'll take a rubber snake on a piece of fishing line and they'll leave in the road and wait for people to stop and field collect. And the minute you touch the rubber snake, the blue lights come on and they all come out of nowhere. It's almost like the, it's almost like the, the guys trying to catch poachers with the fake deer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just reminds me of that commercial with the guy with the fishing pole with the dollar on the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And from what I understand too, like to collect, and this is talking to Chris at Badlands, uh, you know, you, the only thing you need in Texas is like a hunting permit more or less that, that I guess is specific to collecting reptiles. And as long as you have that, you're good to go. Um, given and your the vest. Huh? And your reflective vest. Yeah. Have that too. Yeah. But you, uh, even here in, in PA, for some reason, it is illegal to keep a timber rattlesnake in a copperhead, but you can get a permit to take one timber rattlesnake or copperhead and do whatever you want with it, including keeping doesn't make much sense to me. Is there anything that our government does that makes any sense on any level? Yep. <laughs> it doesn't have to make yep. sense. You just have to follow the rules. Do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
I think Georgia's in desperate need for a, an updating on their uh, their laws. From what I heard, what they have going on now is like archaic. Like no one's even thought about changing it for decades. They just in, yeah, yeah, they just put it in place and they're like, cool, whatever, that'll work. We'll talk about it in twenty thirty five. I just want some red pygmies. Athens, baby. Athens, Georgia. It's only like a four-hour drive for me, buddy. Yeah, well. Wait, what is there in Athens? Red pygmy rattlesnakes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Red like like red. Blood red. Just in that locale specifically. Yeah, there's a couple there's a couple areas in like the Georgia, South Carolina border where they occur where they'll have like a redder hue or they're more pink colored. But like that whole Athens area expanding northeast into South Carolina, that's where the reds are. There's some ones in North Carolina too. Oh, is there? Okay. But I, yeah, but I think those are kind of more of a deeper red, like the ones you're thinking of are like the salmonish, like yeah, that's I'm looking sexy like, bubblegum cane break kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Sexy bubblegum, South Carolina bubblegum cane break. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the the Georgia Eastern Kings. Hey. But those are like black and yellow. So Eastern Kings are typically like black and kind of a tannish and or whitish coloration. The ones in Georgia just happen to be black and yellow, which is super cool, but super, super rare in the hobby. I think, I mean, it seems as though Georgia across the board is very uh, anti-keeping native species, right? Yeah, yeah. like you can keep any exotic venom. I think you can actually keep any native venomous you want. Uh, but, and like exotic venomous, but you keep like a corn snake and you're, you're breaking the law. That's yeah. Whatever. One, one thing like that I regret having not done more with, and now I cannot find them for the life of me is the outer banks locality. The, the oh, those are cool. Dude, that is yeah. the subspecies in the outer banks, the chain Kings. The stick of steps, man, or however you would say it, those are just the coolest chain kings, man. The coolest. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny you're talking about chain kings because yesterday was my day off still. Like, I came home from Daytona and had a day off, which was nice. Um, and my uncle sent me a picture. He said, hey, like, we found this in our house. You know, what is it? And it was literally like, I don't know, this thing can't be more than a month old, like, at most. There's a little baby Eastern king. Not a whole lot bigger than a quarter, and he brought it to me yesterday, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that for a little while. Nice. It's a little female. I like Eastern Kings, but I don't like like the whole Brooks and Eastern and Cow King. They're just they're too they're too untrustworthy. I hate how sneaky they are. I think they're <laughs> they're so freaking food driven constantly that I feel like anytime I'm touching one, it's gonna bite me at any moment. And I think that's because as a kid, I had a Brooks gang that was that way like you'd be holding it it'd be fine and then you'd look down and it would be like halfway to your knuckle like eating it it's kind of like when you work with pythons you know that once you break that feeding response yeah, you break you're the feeding response kink snakes Doesn't always matter. liable to make a mistake yeah. at any point nope yeah so uh and but but you can see how those are like you know they're all lampropeltis gitala or the the common kink snake and you could see how even like those outer bank kings kind of start to look like even Holbrook guy, even mm-hmm. though they're going to be in different places. And yeah, super, super cool how similar and how different all those animals are. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's neat to see all the variation in Eastern Kings too, just from Florida up to Chesapeake. You know, Chesapeake, Virginia has some really nice ones, really nice wide white bands. White, white bands. White. But yeah, those those things can be some monsters. Mm -hmm. They're the devil. I was about to say, didn't you? You were trying to, uh, you were trying to put that voodoo on me uh, a year or two ago. I think you were trying to get me to, to buy your dad's. You know, that. Brooks, yeah, I was like, I think I know better than that. To this day, I just I, ha I have zero trust in Brooks Kings. Like I, they're cool snakes, but I freaking hate them. Like I just, we had that one when I was a kid, and it was like it scarred me for life. I just I want nothing to do with Brooks Kings. I've never found one in the wild and it's a 40 minute drive from me. And I went like six times in the past, like three months. Cause like COVID don't <laughs> do nothing, you know? And I got nothing. <laughs> Cox. I didn't try and put it on everybody. I shopped it around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <him too. laughs> Letting everyone know there's a Brooks King for sale. I don't know anything about what morph it is or anything like that. I just know it's an ass. Yes, as in tradition, as in king snake tradition. I have, uh, I actually, I have a, I have like four Brooks Kings or so. But my uh, my female, I produced them last year, and my female just passed away after having a clutch randomly. That sucks. Yeah, so it's been it's been uh, I'm in that stage where it's like, should I? Should I keep mm -hmm. on doing this? Should I grow up the females? Should I just wash my hands of this whole situation? I do love, you know, some of the the Brooks Kings that I have, some of the babies that I've grown up. So I tried to help you out and add to your group. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty well good. But if they were corn snakes, you'd want them. Not right now, man. Not right now. How many corns you got right now? Uh, like 200 or so. Jesus. That's a lot of snakes. Yeah. But, you know, I got I got to the point where I have someone help me now so I don't have to clean all the babies all the time, which is honestly, man, it's been really, really nice. You want to buy some of my locality ones if slash when I produce them? Uh, potentially, yeah. Depends. <laughs> See, I made a mistake of uh, I have a friend out of state who wanted to do some horse training for native Florida stuff. And one of his things was he wanted Everglades rats specifically with a pink tongue. I'm um, to assume that's I'm, I'm not a rat snake guy, but I'm to assume that's some kind of genetic thing or whatever. And I went out and I went out and I went out and I got one. And I was like, finally, I got one in pink tongue. Awesome. So I got that thing set up in a rack and eating like a champ, pooping like a champ. I haven't found a single one yet. But now I'm kind of like grown attached to the thing. And like, I want to find more of them. But I'm afraid that if I find more of them, I'm just going to want to keep them. Because like at this point, I'm, I'm not going to give him one snake and trade. Like that's dumb. I want to give him like 10. But I kind of want to keep 10 for myself. Is that weird? Am I turning into you guys? Dude, I, I have one Everglades rats and I love this thing. It's really the cool. I had, one, I had one for a while. They're pretty. What's that? I had one for a while. They're pretty. Uh, Joe, are yours uh, pink or red or are they yellow? Um, orange. Orange. Okay. 
that's what I'm afraid, man. I'm afraid that this thing is because you know they're all born looking the same, and I'm afraid this one's going to turn yellow, which is still cool. I still love the animal, but like I was really hoping it would just bubble gum out, you know. Um, and it's not. I mean, it's still only maybe 26 inches. <clears throat> so who knows? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. They changed so much, and then I think I I forget who was. I was probably talking about this just the other week about. Uh, maybe I was talking to Cox about it, but you know, not only do they change color, like they completely change pattern, which I always thought was yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. They the yellow rats do the same thing too. Yeah. 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 So it's like what, what snake goes from having like, you know, your normal rat snake pattern to having a stripe, like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. It's weird seeing them when they're in that, sort of awkward like in between stage where they still have the saddles but the lines are like totally there mm. yep that's where that's about where mine is right now we're looking at about a year and a half um, bears do do the same cocks i don't know i also think it's interesting how of all the rat snakes all, all the yellows and everglades that i've found over the years i've never found an in-between i've either found a baby that was you know still had baby colors or I found like a full grown like five footer that was completely changed. See, that's adorable, man. Super cute. Yeah, it's it's a lot more orange now. Nice. I haven't taken a picture of it in a while. You ever keep any yellow rats, Joe? No, but it's the same thing, right? I don't know. Like, me and Jake have talked about for the last like year and a half about getting our hands on some yellows just for fun. A great yellow individual is a good-looking snake. Cool. I mean, the thing is, like most people are going for the Everglades. You know, they just want the most extreme of anything. But I mean, a good yellow yeah. rat snake. And we've I talked mean, about that. Like how, like if someone put in, even just like, you know, five years if they had an adult pair, just putting in five years and seeing like what, how, how, how nice can you bring out that phenotype and really. You know, I feel like some nice captive bred yellows would I feel like those would take off. I mean, they get a decent size too. Like they, we've had some really impressive ones down here. It's like that'd be not far off from owning a freaking python, small one at least. Yeah, that's what? true. <clears throat> that is true. Is yeah. the python from something else? So uh, technically, since. Technically, if you put it with a licorice rat, it's still an eastern rat snake. I'm so sorry, therefore, white side thing and what it's all about. So therefore, it's not a different species. It's a different looking animal, but it's not a different species. Hmm. So take that for whatever that's worth. White walls. But I think I think I guess the issue is that you get you end up going yellow in where you go bring the best individual the best individual and then you get kind of an everglades i think they go orange instead of like you know you want them to go like school like yellow yeah yeah like like uh, kofi owl yellow yeah exactly i thought it would be cool if i ever stumbled across like a gravid female to hold on her until she drops and then just incubate the eggs and play around with whatever comes out. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a good greenish rat snake, I think they're pretty fucking cool too. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, that's that, awesome. uh, 
Oh, listen to Colos. Don't look at the don't look at the Western Green. <laughs> yeah, kind of an ugly snake, but you can see the beauty in that. Yeah, and I mean we get a lot of yellows that kind of look like that. Yeah, so I'm sure I don't know, is it where you are? Is that still in that inner grade zone where where you get greenish, technically? I mean it's uh what is greenish? So. Let me see. Greenish is the where basically the yellows and the grays meet. Is that what it is? Because we only have yellows down here, as far as I know. We don't get any of the we don't get blacks. We don't get uh let me look. Cause it looks like uh one that I'm looking at right now is from Dorchester County, South Carolina. Yeah, I'm looking at a map and it says we just have the yellows. But, I mean, where that intergrade zone is, that's probably about where Dorchester is too. So, that would make sense. You guys tell me if this is Neverglades or not. Because I was pretty sure, because of the reduced pattern and everything... I was pretty sure that this little booger was an Everglades and not a yellow. Yeah, it looks like a. It's gonna Everglades. go pretty orange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult because you know it's obviously in my bathroom, you know, but I don't know. It just looked. It didn't have that that grayish color that you'd expect from a a, a yellow rat. Does that make sense? Well, I think it's. The more southern you go in Florida, the more red you're going to get. Well, see, I don't know about that because, like, I've been in like the tip of Florida and found bright yellow adults. So I don't know. The redder the snake, the redder the necks. Meh, meh. Yeah, I know. I wish I knew more about the eastern rat snakes and how all that works. Yeah. I also have this guy has been, I probably shouldn't say this on the air because someone might steal it from me. But I've been highly contemplating purchasing this guy from Underground's retail store. Somebody dropped this guy off because they're like, oh, I don't want this anymore. I found it in such and such a place. And, like, it is definitely wow. going to be bright red. Boy, what? And, like, I, I need to buy it. But I was hesitant because it has a it had that black tongue. It didn't have the pink tongue that my buddy wanted. But, like, that thing's going to be red. Yeah. yeah, I thought probably will buy it this week. <laughs> mm. You're about to have a bunch of rat snakes, aren't you? Yeah, right. Great. Oh. I don't know. I think it's really cool to like diversify. You know what I mean? I have found out in which probably the last few months is that. I can't. I can never focus on one species. It's just never going to happen. That's cute, and I love when people talk about that. No. It's actually what keeps me excited about this is always expanding. And then I see the guys who do it long-term that's not a business or, like, the guys who just do it for fun or, like, you know, the people who I consider real reptile guys in quotes, whatever that means. They all bounce around for the most part. And it's like, yeah. I, can, I need to accept that I'm going to 
bounce a little. Yeah, no, I've pretty much come to terms with it too. You know, I love condros. I love the Bairds. There have been times where I'm like, I'm just going to focus on condros. I'm going to sell everything that isn't a condro. But I know within probably two months, I other stuff will start trickling in without a doubt. Yeah. It's, just, it's not possible. <laughs> I just, I got to have, got to have a little bit of everything. Well, it's like I have a friend who owes me a couple baby children's pythons. And he's basically waiting to get them established and he was going to give them to me. And I'm kind of like procrastinating it because I know I'm going to like them. And I'm like, great. Now I got to deal with this too. <laughs> yeah. And I think at least uh, we're at the point where we have probably enough animals where squeezing one in probably doesn't really make a big difference. True. True. Um, again, I don't know about you, but I don't have 200 corn snakes. <laughs> You have a lot of geckos, man. I do. I, I have venomous animals. I mean, yeah. Oh God. And he has, he has tempted me with the the knobtails. I dude, you know who hit me up about knobtails was Nipper. Nipper's like, man, I'm really thinking about getting into them. And then he named. And then he, I don't know if he was trying to, like, test me or what, but he sent me some pictures of Platysaurus. I didn't know if he knew this or not, but like my, Marcus and I used to be really, really into platysaurus. And I have like four or five different species, and I just sent, started sending him pictures, and he was like, he was like, "Fuck, I chose the wrong person to send this to. This is horrible. Now I have to buy them." <laughs> so, see, Ron says the same monoculture is boring, like Noah's Ark around his place. It's true. I feel like every single Ron's time. When I was when I was first getting into reptiles, I listened to like reptile radio, or I listened to basically the people who were like, "Hey man, you gotta you gotta focus on one thing and make it your thing." Yeah, the, I guess that probably works if you're doing this as a business, but if you're trying to have fun, definitely not the way to do it. Yeah, I like to balance it out. Like you have sort of the challenging species like chondros, and hopefully the the Jansen eye, and then you know next year or two two years probably but like it's nice to balance that out with something that that doesn't require a ton of worry and like double checking everything and constantly looking to see if everything's okay you know like the bears and stuff it's like super easy to do uh you know and then you have like i said the the condors and stuff which are a little more nuanced a little more detail oriented yeah, yeah. i think i'm really in a way I'm really enjoying the new Caledonian stuff because it is very hands-off and what is hands-on is very different than, than the snakes, um, the feeding and everything and the spraying and all that stuff. Very different. The interactions very different. And then, um, well, I got, you know, like I have the beards, I have the locality corn thing and then I have, uh, you know, the Western hogs, which I don't know when I'll even breed those, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, they're neat and I want to produce some. Um, it's not anything I'm going to go super hard on. I guess the bears are kind of the exception, but it's just nice to have a project where it's like, this is just going to be enjoyable. My blood pressure isn't going to go up. Yeah. I have headaches. Like it's just going to be smooth sailing. Well, and that's what happens happen and it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. It comes down to, we all have species that we want to quote unquote work with. But then we also have species that we just think are cool. We just want to keep it. Yeah. That's it. I don't see those locality corns I produce being anything life-changing. But to me, it's just really cool to have corns that are from right here in my own little neck of the woods. You know. Yeah, I think think we all have our own little, like, 
projects that we are just into for our own reasons. And dude, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm not trash talking. I swear to God. But if Joe didn't actually like isopods, he probably wouldn't do it as hardcore as he has. Right. I, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that I do. I would do if I didn't like it. Cause right. I, that's I'm physically unable to do that shit. Yeah, exactly. I still I have a very hard time sort of understanding the overall fascination with, with that whole realm. Like I have my cultures, but, it's hundred percent utilitarian, like using them for variums. I don't like, obviously I keep them alive cause I, I want to have a constant supply of them, but it's not like, man, these are cool. I got to have one of every kind. I got to have rubber duckies. I got to have cows, you know, it's, it's because they're easy and they're adorable. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. And like, if you really have the time to sit down and watch them and feed them and give them like, you know, fish flakes that they basically fight over and, I want to try some you got now. Yeah, do it up, man. Dude, the freaking springtail food. I'm still amazed at how much that just makes my freaking cultures explode. <laughs> well, that's the easy stuff, man. They and lose dude, their minds over it. There was that vendor uh, at Daytona. Going going back to Daytona, there was a vendor at Daytona that just had bugs. And... Yeah. Not only did he have bugs, but he had pre-made cultures, pre-made habitats, for lack of a better word. But he also sold, like, action figures, I guess you'd call them. Like the little rubber, like the... the yeah. Like, yeah. They were isopod, like, action figures, like isopod toys for kids that they came rolled up in a ball. And when you, like, cut the wrapper, it would open up on itself to be the roly-poly, you know? And they had representations of the actual species, which I thought was super cute. Yeah, I know. Uh, especially, I think with the the guys who are getting real good at doing isopods at shows, they all have like macro pictures of each species above the cultures, because or else, you know, you have people opening the lids of them all the time, or you can't really get a great look at it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, some guys are really doing great with that kind of stuff, and. If I ever go to a reptile show again, I'll have to, I'll have to do that all up. I haven't actually, because uh, you know it's been six months. So since in the last six months, I sell different things now. I sell. I did only one show where I did isopods, and I did it at like a pretty meaty, mediocre level. And then I have geckos now too. So it's like I w- kind of wish I could do a, a show with all the shit that I do now in comparison to going to a show and selling like three corn snakes and going home. <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't actually see it at the show, but Danielle, my friend who lives here in Beaufort that went down there, they had a picture of someone was selling a candy cane corn, which I haven't seen a regular like candy cane since I was a kid. I mean, not that I've been looking for them, but I just remember seeing yeah. it. Like, holy crap, that was my favorite, like, corn morph as a kid. Or those candy canes. They're just stark white with the red saddles. Just, those are awesome. Yeah, I mean, you kind of can't get much better than that. But, yeah, that's something that I haven't seen a lot of people produce lately. Back in the day, they were, like, the thing. I can imagine uh, breed line breeding an animal for 20 years probably isn't the best thing to happen. But <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> Judging, judging just by someone who reproduces, you know, corn snakes with multiple recessive mutations in them, I can tell you that 
it degrades uh, over time. I think there was more corns at, at Daytona than there were balls. Well, I think it's just it's a location thing, but th- that's kind of crazy because I've never even seen anything close to how many balls there are at any show. I mean, it was the same case last year. I was amazed at how many corns there were. This year, same thing. Like, whole tables of nothing but corns. But you have those, like, Florida guys who literally produce, like, 20,000 corn snakes. You know, you have legit wholesalers down there. True. True. I don't know, but it was still – there was a good, like, I want to say 10-year gap where it was nothing but ball pythons and the occasional hog nose. And now we're seeing a more – I uh, think things are – People think people are starting to spread out, man. I think people yeah. are kind of getting tired of the rat race, and they're just they're they're figuring out that they're just there's other stuff out there. You know? Sure, sure. And that was always my thing with ball pythons. I mean, they're cool and all, but that's just like there's so many species in the hobby. Like, like we were saying, I, you know, how can people just focus on one? Maybe yeah. people have whole rooms of nothing but ball pythons. It's like you would think after a while, you'd be like, I need something a little more exciting. Well, I also think it comes down to uh, people realizing that there isn't the same people breeding the same stuff as there used to be, especially with the colubrids. Mm-hmm. So, to, like I mentioned, Daytona 2004, 2006, whatever, there was a lot of colubrids. It was it was the tapering off of the, the 90s corn snake boom, um, the colubrid morph boom. But now you're seeing, well, nobody is breeding cow kings like they used to. Nobody's breeding brooks kings like they used to. And... You look at someone like Mark and Campbell that would produce thousands of Lampopeltis. And I remember wholesaling black and white cow kings. They were $5 each. You'd sell them for 40 Well, now they're $125 or $150 or $200, depending on the patterning, because someone took the time to focus on that one species or that one line, which I think is cool. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's funny because obviously all this – all this work happened in like the nineties. Right. And then all of a sudden it like kind of goes underground. No one gives a shit. And then all of a sudden it's popular again. And like these products are even better. Like, you know, some of them have been completely lost. Right. Um, no, like bears, rat snakes and no one cared to begin with. Uh, I saw the one guy, I can't remember his name. He had Mullendorfi. Yeah. It was this close. Was I was this close. close. Yeah. He was very close. He's like, dude, should I do it? Yeah, dude, that is. They're awesome. It's like three snakes in one. It's not even real. Yeah. It's like a retic had a love child with uh, a a bear die. It's like red head, Mm -hmm. green body. What the hell is going on? Cold weather, Montane. Awesome. We did learn. Go ahead. I was saying my late mentor used to keep them in his library because he kept the library like 60 degrees because he didn't want the books to get, I mean, we're talking about like a real legit library. He had like a sliding ladder and everything. And uh, he used to keep it like 60, 61 degrees because he didn't want the books to get messed up from humidity. And uh, and he kept the Mullendorfi in there. Like, that's awesome. We learned yeah. over the weekend that it takes three people to change a tire on a car. And it takes them about four hours to do it. It was two, two and a half hours, all right? Everything was against us, okay? Where were you driving? So we were hanging out in the hotel room before festivities started to get kicked off. And <clears throat> and me, Casey, and Billy are leaning on the balcony as I'm smoking a cigarette. And 
Billy's basically just venting his frustrations to his friends. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, we got here and we unloaded. I went out to the truck to go see something. And I got a flat tire. And I said, well, hey, I have real tools in my Subaru. Like, I have a real tire iron. I have an air compressor. I got patch kits. I said, listen, why don't we, before we go get drunk, I said, why don't we go get all, get all that stuff out of, because the car was in valet. We'll get all that stuff out of valet. We'll walk it down to the convention center because the gates are closed and you can't drive in after dark. And, like, the vendor parking lot. And we'll throw it on your truck. And then in the morning, you can change your tire and, you know, whatever. He was going to have his girlfriend drive the truck to go get the, uh, the, the, the correct tire fixed and blah, blah, blah. So me and Casey and Billy, meanwhile, Casey's a little, if you catch my drift. And uh, we, walk, we walk all the way down there. We're sweating bullets because it's, you know, 100% humidity at 9 o'clock at night. And we walk all the way down there. And both Casey and I kind of have the attitude like, we're already here. Let's just do it. Let's just get it done. That way, Billy won't have to deal with it in the morning. We're still hanging out with our friends. You know, fuck it. So we realized that Billy's jack, excuse me, that came with the truck is a scissor jack. Horrible. He, he really needs a bottle. He needs a bottle jack. So we're like, all right, let's 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 open the thing with our hands and see if it's tall enough, blah, blah, blah. Not realizing that the frame on this particular type of Nissan truck is sloped. So Billy jacks it up and it slips out. And we're like, okay, we forgot to put the e-brake on. Let's put the e-brake on. So he puts the e-brake on, do it again. Wham, it slips out again. So I was like, all right, I said, I'm going to walk all the way back to my car. I'm going to get my car because we realized the gate was actually open. I'll get my car. I'll drive it back. I have two by fours in my trunk. We'll put the thing on two by fours just to get it a little, little higher. Because, I mean, the thing's on concrete. It's on asphalt. It's not parking lot. So we do that. And then while we realized that works, we also made a conscious decision to move it to the middle of the vehicle where there was no slope in the frame. So that way it won't kick out from underneath us, God forbid. So we move the jack, and then we start to take down the winch that has the tire underneath the flatbed. Well, the winch is rusted, and the chain's rusted, and we're knocking on it and shit. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with, you know, pickup truck, the, the tire winch underneath the bed. There's that hole in the back of the rear bumper where you slide the rod in. That's like a key to unwind it to lower the tire down. Well, we were put it in there, and I, I guess Billy had never changed the tire on this truck before. This was, He only had the truck a couple of years. And he thinks it's in, and it's not. And the key jacks itself into the plastic housing that's like a guide to like show you where to go and he winds up breaking it and ripping the plastic guide out so now casey because he's the skinny guy he goes underneath the car and starts manhandling this you know housing to get it out uh, finally we get it out finally we lower the tire as we're as we're jacking it up and unscrewing the lug nuts and whatnot the minute casey pulls the tire off the jack stand kicks out again and the whole thing smashes on the ground and almost, you know, cuts off Casey's feet. So we're like, all right, let's do it again. And we jack it up again. I turn on the air compressor. We test the tire pressure. Everything's hunky-dory. It all ended well. But by this time, it's 11 o'clock at night, and we all have our phones blowing up. Where are you guys? You're missing the party, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, all of us are sober and sweating, going, we don't want to fucking go, you know? And I got to hear it from the rest of the party, including Justin. I was asleep. You were asleep. I went to bed early that night. I, I stayed at P and Cody's Thursday. And so I was up pretty late there. And so I was like, okay, Friday night, no one's really going to be doing a whole lot. I'm going to go to bed early because Saturday night, that's when, you know, 
everyone's there. So I, like, Chris sent us some cigars that I was going to smoke with Phil. And so I lit it up thinking Phil was, like, somewhere nearby, like, in the hotel. And then I'm, like, pretty much done with that cigar. And I'm, like, well, I guess Phil's not coming. I got stood up at the fountain. (sighs) Tear in my beer. Stood up. Listen, man, I... I was helping our boy out, you know. Our boy needed some help. This there is it is. Play. Look, I would have done it for you. I would have did it for Joe. I would have done it for any of you guys. Casey included, man. Casey had a good night. Casey had a great night. Casey's adorable because Casey has like one glass of liquor, gets schnockered, and he's hilarious. For, I mean, he's always funny, but he's hilarious for like 20, 30 minutes. Then he immediately sobers up. Time for another glass of liquor. <laughs> Wait, what Casey is this? Casey can. Okay. Because I don't I don't think I saw him drink last Carpet Fest. I don't know why. Or maybe he's just – he was just under the radar. Maybe. Maybe. But it was definitely funny. It was very funny. Uh, Casey, uh, <laughs> at one point, I guess, I, I had like a, a tumbler full of gin or half full of gin, and I went to like cheers Casey, and I guess Casey didn't have a drink in his hand. So he just punches my cup in the cup flying <laughs> in the air. And of course it hits the ground and goes doing 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 doing. And everyone's like, oh my god, what the hell happened? <laughs> so it was a good time. Good time. So is is Daytona more of like a personal like house party type of scene in comparison to like oh, is more of like, you know, bananas, you go to the bar type of type of deal. Oh no, it's 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 personal house party. Everyone's you know, got their own liquor. Yeah. Everyone. So that seems like more of my scene. I should definitely go to Daytona. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they have a really nice patio area that's got all the tables and chairs and umbrellas and stuff. And like we all just sit around and smoke cigars and have drinks and change tires, you know. You can't smoke at, apparently. That, dude, I don't even want to get started on that story. I felt bad. But I, I think you, so got hosed, you got hosed by a Karen. So you did. Wait, 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 wait. What? We what were. So last got in trouble? Yes, kind of. I still don't even know exactly what happened. I was just there. Look, Casey. Isn't he supposed to be on a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So I'll sit on the back patio because last year we smoked cigars and there was no problem. And so Saturday night, Friday night, because you were changing tire. Also, I I it was like just before nine, I think. And so I was sitting on the patio when I was about halfway done with a cigar and some guy comes out and I'm pretty sure he had a walkie talkie. He had a polo on, his shirt was tucked in. He looked like he was an employee of the hotel. And he goes, sir, can you read that sign? And I didn't even notice the sign earlier. I had smoked three cigars on the patio. Like, no, I can't. And there's a sign that says no smoking, but they have it so that when you walk out, you don't even see it because it's like on like a that wall's like on a slight angle facing that way. And so I didn't even see it. And I told him I was like, he's he's like, you know, extinguish extinguish your cigar, please. I was like, fuck you, you gonna give me freaking ten bucks for this cigar? So and I I mean I told I was very polite. I was like, sure. I was like, didn't even see it. Sorry, no big deal. But my feelings were very hurt because we had smoked out there last year. Like twenty four seven. It well, sounds like it's it's a you issue. Your feeling shouldn't be hurt. I was well, just like I wasn't. There was no one out there. Like there was a group 
on like a wall over there. I was it was just me and Thomas Irvin and his buddy Roy, and like we were just hanging out. Right but then on, man. I told Phil about it, and Phil went Saturday night and talked to the front desk people. And well, according to, according to him, that wasn't even an employee of the hotel. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next night, I said, you know what? Let me let me get it from the horse's mouth. So I go to the front desk and I find like a managerial person. And I said, hey, man, you know, there's a bunch of us that want to smoke cigars on the patio. Don't worry. You know, we'll social distance. But we do this every year. So, you know, we, we pay to stay in this hotel. Like, they can't use any of the amenities. You know, it's locked down. It's COVID. You know, the least you could do is let us smoke on the patio. And he's like, sir, sir, please don't be upset. You know, we, we never don't allow smoking. In fact, we have a smoking area with multiple cigarette ashtrays and blah, 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 blah. So he says, why don't I go outside with you and we can kind of look at what's going on and make sure that you and I are talking about the same thing. I said, sure, let's go. So he walks me out to the patio area and sure as hell he shows me, he's like, listen, these four or five tables by the stairs, we reserve for smoking individuals. And there's usually ashtrays. I don't know why they're gone. Um, but he says, honestly, if, as long as no one's out here, you can smoke anywhere on the patio. And he says, it's very interesting that an employee would say that to your friend because we have a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, leave it alone policy. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, nobody's going to tell you not to smoke. They're just going to maybe like put the sign saying like smoking over here and just kind of like give you the hint. But no one's gonna, yeah, no one's going to come over and be like, sir, you have to put that out. And I said, okay, well, that happened to my friend. He goes, honestly, sir, I hate to say it, but it probably wasn't an employee. And I was like, okay. So sure as hell, we sat down on the patio and we have, we wound up moving to a better location anyway, but but still. I was freaking ambushed. Yeah. And I mean I'm like I'm not one of those people that's like F you, I'm gonna do what I want. Like if like I understand not everybody wants to be around smoke right. and stuff. Very respectful of that. I went down and sat on the steps of the little fountain thing and and wallowed in my frustration. And I don't know, but I mean, if, if it was an employee, he was a dick. Because it could have been like, hey, just so you know, we don't have to be smoking out here. I would have been like, that's cool, fine, whatever. He's like, sir, can you read that sign? He's like, <laughs> like no. Florida, sir. Like, no, I'm illiterate. Yeah, he's been like, and now I'm going to sue because you're discriminating because I can't read. Well, that's like, you know, Matthew had his little portable cooler that he was bringing around everywhere. And he yeah. Hands, and Matthew put the cooler in front of the sign that says... No outside, yeah, no outside <laughs> food or beverage is permitted on patio. And he took a picture of the cooler with the beer in front of the sign. <laughs> oh, man. But Saturday night, I mean, there was a ton of us in that little patio pavilion thing smoking. Yeah. And I was like, I dare him to come say something now. There's exactly 10 right. of us. Yeah. And, dude, I'm glad Thomas is here. Thomas was with us, man. It was so great to meet him in person. He's an awesome guy. I'm glad. Glad he came out. It's good shit. I was illiterate Saturday. <laughs> you were definitely illiterate Saturday. <laughs> Should we show the video on here, Justin? Sure. Oh, Let's yeah. show Let's whatever this is. It's it's Dominique's fault. Just so everyone knows ahead of time. Did she did she liquor you up? What, what happened? It she was had bottle, she had a bottle of Tito's. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. She was like, here, you want some? And then that, I that's all it took. I continually find a bottle in my hand. Oh, God. Are you sure you want to show this, Justin? I'm uh, sure. All right, here we go. It's an amazing government. Stay as a fucking idiot. You guys hear it okay? Fucker, but that don't make shit. It's amazing. 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 It
Me and Billy had a game where we had to we, we tried to take pictures of each other mid bite while eating meals, and that's that's what he did. So but, that sounds good. really lame from an outsider's perspective. I'm going to be honest, but I it's, it's pretty funny. hilarious. I sneak him, and he doesn't know about it, and then I send him. <laughs> yeah, Dominique got IHOP delivered, and I drank the syrup like they were shots. That was the shirt of the night. (laughs) I was... I I don't drink a lot. Like, I especially don't binge drink a lot. But Daytona, man. I let loose. Look at those big old man titties, man. Yeah, I was going to say, even at, like, Carver Fest we've been at, I haven't really seen you drink drink. I've never really been into it, but I was like, you know what? The problem is... Gotta let the dragon loose. The problem yeah. was that we we had all been drinking, and you know Dominique brought that bottle of Tito's, and Justin polished it off. But then Dallas Rua came with a bottle of Glenfiddich, and he's like, "Oh, there's a couple fingers left in the bottom here. Pass it around. You know, the more the merrier." And of course, Justin polished off that bottle of scotch, and that was what I think really put it over the edge. I remember standing up, and like it was like Inception, like the entire. Freaking ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't I don't even think Phil has the Perry the Platypus videos. Oh, I do. I do. Hold on. I have uh, Perry the Platypus. Um, Apparently, Phil has videos of everything. Oh, I do. Because all these savages send them to me. Um, where is that? Yeah, they all, they all like send all these videos of me to each other. It's pretty, pretty funny. I haven't laughed this hard in so long. I'm pretty I know, sure. It seems it. like. And I'm sure it really helps the fact that everyone's been quarantined for so long. No one has like hung out in so long and done things. So it must have been fucking great. It was. Yeah. So I'm playing sure like a certain angle, which made my my voice like when I laughed, I made this weird like Honda noise. And I'm still drunk, laying in bed. <laughs> That was like 20 minutes of just straight laughing at myself like that. It is borderline Wookiee, so there's something to be said. Yeah, I did send that video to them. I sent that video of myself. I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. It was good, man. And and there was there's more videos that I'm not gonna play on the air that you know the girls sent me. Whoa, Phil. Nothing like that. Hey. No, no, nothing like that. Just just him making obscure noises and saying like 
I gotta drink more water and I need more water. And it's like, Justin, you're holding a bottle of water. Like, I know, but there should be more, like, things like that. It was good. Oh, that was at like a house party like two years ago. No, no, that was you in the room that night. Oh. Yeah. And apparently, apparently, Becca has more pictures and video of the two of us doing God knows what shenanigans that she hasn't even sent yet. (laughs) So. I have I I pride myself though like I'm not a big drinker, and I've also never had a hangover. Like I woke up Sunday he morning. He didn't. Fine. You know what the trick is? I make sure I drink like at least five bottles of water before I go to sleep. Yeah. Save see, yourself from a hangover. You're fine the next morning. I had a headache. That was about it. And I'm I was one. I was shaking for all of Sunday Tinley last year. Ooh. I was just body tremors the whole time. Gotta hydrate, man. The best stuff is like the electrolyte water, like smart water. Mm. You'll feel fine. You drink some of that, like down like a freaking liter of that, you're good. Nice. I gotta do that. That Saturday morning, I barely drank Friday night, but I think it was from sweat and doing the tire stuff and not drinking enough water. But I had a horrible hangover Saturday morning and like, Matthew was making fun of me and shit because I was like, oh my God. Uh. But I barely drank anything. I think it was legit. Probably. Like double dehydration. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hilarious because Matthew yacked his guts out Saturday <laughs> night after all that debauchery we did. Ugh. Daytona's fun. Daytona's awesome. And like it's it's like we always say, man, Daytona is about hanging out with your chosen family. The animals are just a bonus. And as it turns out, Phil was only literally a door down from me on our hotel room. Like we somehow ended up yeah. same floor, same hall. Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. It was a sign, buddy. Was that's what we should have? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe we weren't. Justin, did you go to Tinley last year? No, right? I've never that been to Tinley. Must have been. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, uh, Casey lost a shoe to the ocean. He did. <laughs> And apparently he had to he had to go take a leak, and instead of just walking to like knee deep water, he like walked up to his freaking sternum, and then decided to just I guess pee his pants in the water. I don't. <laughs> well, so this is what I get. By the way, this picture says it all from that night. We we're just schnockered, just gone. But apparently Casey had to go to the bathroom. He's like, I'm gonna go to the ocean. So he walks his butt down to the ocean. But I guess when he got down there, I guess there was like kids playing on the beach or people or something. So he's like, I'm not going to, you know, whip out my schmanz and just arc it into the water. So he wades into the water. Meanwhile, he's getting pelted with waves, loses bastard. <laughs> and then he comes back, he's soaking wet, and we're all like, I thought you went to take a whiz. It's like <laughs> I can just see him out there just getting the shit kicked out of him by waves while he's trying to take a leak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Casey, my shoe will never return to me. <laughs> I asked him, I said, did you keep the one in the air? He says, yeah. <laughs> Mounted on my wall. He had everybody sign it. Dude, this is an impossible time to get to Florida for... I don't know, having so many babies, but I'm definitely going next year. Maybe I'll just vend, and that will be my excuse. Yeah, man. Can't hurt, right? 
It's only like a 19 hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not even 19 hours. That is what I like about Daytona. Is is Daytona's? It's like four hours for me. It's it's nothing. So I'm about three and a half hours south of Daytona, and when I would make and my annual pilgrimage to Philadelphia, I would do it in about 16 and a half, 17 hours. And that, so that's, and that, so shave four hours, three and a half hours off of that. And there's your Daytona trip. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm not uh, then again, like Tinley in comparison to vending it and just hanging out, hanging out. It's a lot more fun. So we'll see. I always say that if I ever went to Tinley, which I plan on doing, I don't want to tell anyone I'm going. I just want to go as like a fly on the wall, you know, kind of observe well now everybody knows they don't know when i'm gonna go they don't know which show it doesn't make you blend in everyone who knows you will know you phil i know i also feel dumb because i don't think i would ever want to go to tinley without bringing like five grand cash and all stuff. you know yeah yeah i mean that's really i guess I don't know. Some people say that that's where Daytona is different now. What the hell? Who sent you that? Cox. <laughs> <laughs> you people have too much time on your hands. Oh, I love them. But I feel like that's what uh, people say Daytona used to be is like the whole thing where it's you have people from out of the states coming to buy things and you have animals that like you've oh, basically yeah. never seen before. Oh, well, that, and I mean, that was the thing is like I'm, I'm actually going to pull up a picture of Daytona from back in the day. Daytona Reptile Show 2006. Oh, like, Whoa. I never there's Carly on. All weekend, Carly was was busy being a social butterfly. Here, let me screen share this for you. Carly Jones is in Florida, and I barely saw her. So that's what Daytona used to look like. And like, it's kind of high school like, gym. No, well, that's the old convention center before they renovated it. So this is like the old school style, and then they they basically knocked this down. And like, can you guys see my mouse or no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, like, see this walkway up here? This was basically a walkway of a second story where you could look over and see all the vending. And then I would say this is probably maybe two or three high school gymnasiums this direction and wide. And then up here, you had, like, there was a venomous room back here. There was venomous up top. There was all dry goods sellers up top. And then you had you had major companies like you know, nerd would come and they would have 15 or 20 tables, you know, everything retics and tokes and crazy shit. Um, and then you had all the wholesalers that would bring countless, countless imports because it was not captive bread only back then. You could have whatever you wanted. And it was just this massive, massive glades herp would show up. They'd have 30 or 40 tables. They would have an entire aisle that would just be glades herp, you know, and then you would also see guys, you know, fighting over money and guys getting bit when they were bagging venomous and they shouldn't have. And it was uh, was a shit show, but it it was, it was a breathtaking sight. Like I remember my first couple ones and I was like, what did I just walk into? I remember just hearing the, the older people talk about say like Peter call coming out of that show or, you know, multiple people coming out of that show with hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. 
like you know, the, money the that running, we do not see anymore. Well, yeah, well, that's the running joke is that there's two guys in Daytona with fanny packs, big, muscly white guys with a gun, or tiny little Asian guys with hundreds None of thousands of dollars in cash. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. You know, and you'd see one little Japanese man with his entourage of, you know, 10 or 15 guys. Every single one of them would have a fanny pack full of cash. They'd walk over to a guy that was breeding, you know, corn snakes. Um, uh, that was breeding corn snakes or, or Pac-Man frogs or whatever. They'd lay down $50,000, $60,000. They wouldn't even touch the animal. It would just get straight exported out to Asia. And, like, you don't see that anymore. It just doesn't happen anymore. Um, I don't remember the exact year, Thomas, is when Venomous stopped. I think it might have been 2006, maybe, or 2005. Um, but basically, whatever stories they tell of, oh, it, it was too expensive, or, oh, the insurance. No, the real reason is because when you have Venomous in an expo, there should be proper protocol in terms of bagging and containering and transporting Venomous. So, like, for example, Columbia is a good example where they have Venomous escorts. So the Venomous section is totally separate from the rest of the show. Yeah, you have to be 18 or whatever to walk into the area. And when you buy something, you don't touch it until you're ready to leave. When you're ready to leave, that animal is then brought into a bagging room, which is usually like a broom closet or something, a janitor's closet. And two or three venomous escorts who are guys who know what they're doing would bag or container the animal for you. And then they would carry that animal and escort you to your vehicle to leave. And you wouldn't take possession until you were leaving. They did the same thing in Daytona. But the problem is people are stupid, they're impatient or whatever, and they're like, I don't need an escort. I'm just going to go bag it in the bathroom. And, you know, there was one time where a guy had a rattlesnake get away from him and it caused a big scene. There was another time where a guy got bitten by an Eastern Diamond or a Western Diamondback in the bathroom because he was trying to bag it on a toilet seat. So, like, it was just stupidity. You know what I mean? It, they ruined it themselves. And at the same time, that was right when the venomous laws changed in Florida and it was uh, the required hours for a license. So anybody who didn't already have the license, pff, you were screwed. You had to, you, you couldn't buy stuff willy nilly. You had to get your permit. So it was right around that 2005, 2006, maybe something like that. Yeah, that's, um, I, I read the really any big, I guess Tinley doesn't do venomous um, Daytona. It's a, the big one's probably Texas. I know there's, yeah, yeah show in. Texas, Columbia is still pretty awesome. Oh, there's and, that South yeah. of the Border show too, but I don't, I haven't been to that one yet. Yeah, South of the Border had a handful of venomous, but it wasn't like it didn't have a, a big enough venomous section, much like Columbia did. Uh, but I like South of the Border show. I thought it was pretty good. You know, and the original Myrtle Beach show, which became South of the Border, I thought <laughs> it was a great show. I thought it was a great venue. I think it was just too new of a show to attract the volume of people like Tinley and Daytona and Pomona and stuff like that. Do you think Tinley is bigger than Daytona? That's, I've never been there, but people tell me it is. Yeah. If I was, if I was to take that picture that, that Phil just put up and put it against today's Daytona then, or today's Tinley, then Tinley's much bigger. Okay. So then the Daytona of today is a third the size of that. Gotcha. So it is a relatively normalish show by today's standards, like a good show by today's standards, but not. Yeah, I mean Pomona is what I heard is even larger than Tinley, just by size. You know, well, it's, you can't call it the super show and it not be gigantic. There you go. Yeah, it's really super. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I do to... want to get to Tinley eventually. I definitely got to check that out. I'm trying to find yeah, pictures of Daytona from this weekend, and there is none. Yeah, I think having, um, you know, we had just as much silly times at Tinley, but that's us all being together, you know, bringing back. And I mean, Billy was there uh, last Tinley and stuff like that. Yeah, but he got hooked on the freaking spilotes and bird snakes and stuff. <laughs> when he was with uh Jason, yeah. yeah yeah those are i mean crazy that's how you that's how you get billy man you just show him something with stripes or you show him some sort of weird colubrid from like asia and he's you got him like that's it yeah and dude billy made it like a band at this show he sold snakes and bought cool ones you know he got some uh lafay carnata he got some I didn't even check those out, man. I saw them sitting there, but I didn't. I Dude, didn't, they were they were babies, so they were still kind of meh looking. But as far as babies go, flawless. The there was big, there was a table with no onions. I wanted so bad. I do want a northern pine or a pear. Oh yeah, I would I would love to have a great black and white northern. That's the only pituophis I really have any interest in, other than the Kankakee bulls. So I saw this, these high red um, northerns recently. They're like, ah, fuck it. I gotta, I gotta find the picture. Yeah, these things were incredible. Um, I, I love black and white, but these kind of opened my eyes to to something different. All pits and I mean, yeah, I love pits in general. But I just remember at that same nature center I worked at, man. We had this massive pine that was just that was like. Such a freaking impressive animal, man. When that thing wanted you gone, you knew it. Like it was intimidating. Like a big pissed off northern man. Like that's a force to be reckoned with. <clears throat> and they had so there were some there was like young like maybe yearlings. Actually, given how big they were when they hatched, they probably weren't even yearlings, but they were really nice. So the table wanted like two fifty a piece for them. So I'll get some eventually. It was just one of those things. I already had my beards and stuff and my subock. Yeah, that'll be uh you'll be a full blown colubrid guy at some point. Never. You're pretty damn close. Thomas, I think I know which ones you're talking about. Those are really dark ones. See, that's the other thing. Like, if I get Northern Pines, I want ones from, like, around here. I don't want, like, New Jerseys or anything like that. I want, like. Blasphemy, dude. Blasphemy. All the all the good black and whites are from Jersey. I don't even care. Like, yeah, dude, those things are sweet. I don't have a picture of them. But actually, I might. Actually. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care you know, with the Northern Pines, if it's, you know, a Jersey giant or anything like that, I just want to just want Northern Pines. because They're cool. No love for, for any of the other Pituophis. Like I said, I like the Kankakees, but you know, kind of like the scrubs. It's just one of those things where it's like, if I had a certain kind, I'd be down, but have you seen a good Depi Jani? I have.
there were some in. some pretty Mexican vines. Yeah, those were those were cool looking. Yeah, right here. Look at how dark that is. Whoa! Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like the coolest looking pit. That's a northern. Yeah. That's not Kankakee. No, that's a northern. That's from up the coast. Nice. From an undisclosed location. Oh, of course. Where'd Phil go? I probably I don't know. Maybe the, the his country was calling in with the pregnancy results. Uh, oh, there he is. Sorry about that, gentlemen. I had a very, very important missed call. <laughs> God damn it. What? Joe literally just said, where'd Phil go? I said, I don't know. He probably got an important call from his cousin about the pregnancy results. And then you just oh, sat down no. and said, oh, Jesus. No, my... um. <laughs> My my security company called saying that my alarm at work was having issues and they're having outages in the area. And then at the same time, I couldn't get my cameras to operate on my phone. So I got the cameras up. They spoke to one of my other coworkers. So it's fine. But yeah. On, off on someone else because shit rolls downhill. Yep, pretty much. So I'm just happy I don't have to go there right now because that would have been shitty. One of the best things I got for the weekend of Daytona. Ooh, Ooh look at that animal. Ooh. Yeah, so this was uh, Jen Strickland in the chat uh, said, this is RNP reptiles. These are some northerns, some really good ones. God, it'd be cool to have some of those, man. Dude, it's like just cookies and cream, man. This is the problem. Like, I need to be producing stuff in order to buy these things, but I'm not producing anything. Well, I got the cyania, but. Dude, those are fucking sick. Congrats on that. Those won't even be ready until probably next year to even go anywhere. So, yeah, I mean that's because uh, they're not going to hatch until like mid-November. That's a long road ahead, right? With lizards. Yeah. No, I'm about just assist feed tails until they start taking off. I'll probably do what David Brahms did because he, uh, with some of his conjures, he was actually dipping the uh, the pinkies like the back half in like Pangea gecko diet. And then feeding it to them, and that gives them a nice boost of minerals and stuff. And so that's that. where that's why I'm getting asked by Chondra dudes about this Rapashi stuff. Yep. <laughs> All of a sudden, I, I sell yeah. Rapashi, and then my only customers are Chondro guys. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I got, I got this awesome <laughs> travel case from Phil. Oh, and Chris Montrose has taken up most of the real estate on there. And I got some stickers from Adeline Robinson. Nice. So. It looks like my middle school trapper keeper. <laughs> you can put your weed in there. You could hide your weed in there. If I had smoked such a thing, I would probably. But I only smoke cigars and drink like twice a year. Remember that movie? What was it? The uh, the hot chick, Adam Sandler. And he's like, you could hide your weed in there. Yeah, it's a it's an old. I believe it's a carryover from an SNL skit or something like that. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the cyan eggs though, man, I'm pumped. Like, I was fully expecting to get like four eggs and them not be any good because it's her first time and she's actually pretty small. So I was like, this is probably going to be a, a downer. But 
freaking nine. Like nine is a decent clutch for those things. So the head hard. on that adult animal is huge. On the cyania? Yeah. Yeah, I, they're, they're it, blockheads. Yeah, it's like striking. When I had the look, so I got a pair originally from Jordan Russell before he got out of Boyga. The male I lost, um, but when I had them and they were still little green-headed worms, I called them the blockhead twins because it's it's almost hilarious how big their head is compared to their body, especially when they're small like that. Yeah. Like a like a. Like a <laughs> oh yeah. And I don't care what people say. People think that these things, like if you get bit, it's not that big of a deal. If you see a large cyania and you see somebody freehand, like I will say freehandedly, I guess, like that thing will hurt. It's that not, will not be fun. Definitely not cool. I have seen small ones, like yearlings, give some pretty gnarly bites. I mean, fortunately, they're not they're not nearly as like feisty as most of your mangroves, but. You know, I just, I don't trust mine enough to. I don't blame you. To handle them willy nilly. You know, I just, I'm a firm believer. Just anything that's rear fang, be it a hog nose or anything like that is probably something you just don't want to get bit by and don't want to find out about. Yep. You can call me a pansy. You can call me whatever you want. I'll be the one that doesn't have to go to the hospital. Right. For antibiotics or whatever they'll put you on. Yeah, like that one with the hand, like one that size. Uh, I forget. What's her last name? Her name is Ashley, but she's with Northern Lights Imports or whatever in Canada. She got bit by one about that size, and she got some really gnarly swelling. Yeah, you never know when you inject foreign proteins into your body what's going to happen. Exactly. Unless they're steroids. Phil's good on those. Phil says those don't mess, mess with you at all. Never touched <laughs> the entire weekend was just us roasting Phil. Like I feel bad. Like it was just us just grilling Phil. It was a it was a Phil yeah. grill the entire time. And he yeah. still here. It didn't help when Jay Eaton's kids were <laughs> me. Oh. <laughs> he couldn't catch a break. At some point I just stopped doing it. I was like, you know, I could tell. I could see the hurt in his eyes. Like he just wants to go back to his room and be done. Yeah. It's like I got a, Jay's 15-year-old daughter who took my chair out because hers was wet. She wanted mine because I had already sat and it was dry. She swapped chairs with me. I'm like, why is my chair still wet? You know, his his son, who's probably, you know, 10, he's like, is it, does it hurt to be fat? Like, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> or like, better yet, they would, they, they take a picture of me and then they have like the photo app on their phone because they're children's phones. That's what happens nowadays. And like they have the app where you could like touch the person's face and like make their face like droopy or like wrinkly or whatever. So they just kept showing me pictures of myself with them making me look all like fucked up and weird. Oh, kids. Bunch of bullies, man. Sorry, Phil. Glad you're still here. Right. He took it like a champ. They wouldn't do it if they didn't love me. It's true. That's what you say anyway. Right? Yeah, that's what I tell myself. So it lets me sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, man. I hope uh I hope that we're able to have a maybe Tinley this year or whenever the hell people gather and uh we could get together and 
I wouldn't feel so fucking jealous of this whole Daytona experience you guys just had. It's always next year, buddy. Always next year. The show must go on. Yeah, there's just so many baby colubrids this time of year, but I'll figure it out. But uh, if you guys, I guess, wrapping this bitch up, we're about two hours and 15 minutes in. Um, anything else you guys want to share about Daytona or anything else that you guys got at the show? Beware of the concession stand because you'll pay $3 for a can of soda yep. and $3 for a bottle of water. Yeah. Soft pretzels are amazing, but it's a soft pretzel. Do yourself, go wrong. do yourself a favor. I know it's expensive, but if you can stay at the Hilton Resort on Daytona Beach, it is literally across the street from the convention center. That's you don't even have to leave. You don't have to leave. You don't have to go anywhere. They have the valet there and everything. Uh, indoor pool out, or excuse me, outdoor pool. They have a spa and it's on the beach. They have like a boardwalk area. There's an amphitheater with like a miniature mall in case you want to go shopping, looking for beach stuff or restaurants and, and, and things to do that way. Um, they do a special room rate for the expo. So if you tell them that you're there for, you know, National Reptile Breeders Expo, whatever, uh, it's I think it's like 130 opposed to like 180 a night. Um, you still have to pay like the taxes and fees and the valet is like 30 bucks and whatever else, but it's, it's definitely worth it. Um, that way you don't have to go anywhere. You know? It's even better if you can split a room with like three yeah, or four. Absolutely. And, and what's wild is that it's cheaper to stay in Daytona pretty much on the beach than it is to stay in Tinley. Like how much of the room in Tinley? Um, easily that 165, I would say easily um, for the ones that are actually in the convention center. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is the show. All right. So you're not supposed to have animals in the hotel, but they realize who we are, what we are, what we do. And they've been doing it for 20 years. So it's not awkward for you to walk around the lobby with a giant pixie frog in a sterilite container because people aren't going to be like, Oh my God, he's got a frog. They're going to be like, Oh my God, look at that giant frog. That's so cool. You know, or like you know, you see strangers in the elevator who just came back from the beach. They have their swimsuits and their beach towels, and you have a, a, a sterilite full of deli cops. And they're like, oh, what do you guys got? Are you with the snake show? And it, it, people are kind of cool about it, which I think is awesome. And I never – I didn't hear anything about – like I, even last year, like didn't hear anything about any animals getting loose or anything like that. Like yeah, never saw any get loose at the show. Like everyone seems to do a pretty good job of yeah keeping things contained. Yeah. So. Awesome. Except for the damn scrub that Dominique insisted I take out. Yeah. <laughs> so being alcohol plus scrub python, how'd that work out? Oh, like I, so you take them out of the bag, but then you realize you have to get them in the bag. But then when they're curled up, ready to go, it's kind of hard if, to get them in the bag. If you had slid your hand underneath him and just started like giving him a treadmill, you know, like you would do with any other snake, he would have been perfectly fine. The problem is, this is his first time ever seeing eight giant humans standing around leering at him. So naturally, he's going to s up and be defensive. You know, you just gotta. I don't want to get bit by that damn I offered to. I offered to take him, and you're like, no, no. I, will, I will bag him. I will bag him. Too much pride. My name is Justin. I can do it. I have a podcast and a magazine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, that was the saying of the weekend. <laughs> Three things to, to sum up Daytona 2020. I have a podcast and a magazine. The word frothy. Got used a lot. 
And and oh no, now I can't remember the third one. Carly and Dominique are gonna kill me. Now I can't remember the third one. Vodka's awesome. What's that? I said vodka's awesome. Vodka is pretty all right. I'm not Jeff a big fan of water, but you where can people uh, where can people find you? Where can people find your podcast and a magazine? Yeah. You can find THP, Snakes and Stogies, who I do with Philium here, and uh, the Conjurecasts, the like twice a year I do an episode at this point, and those are all on the Herpeticulture Network pages. So you can find the shows, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or Google Podcasts. It's about to switch over, apparently, and uh, SoundCloud. And the magazine is herpeticulturemagazine.com. It's Herpeticulture Magazine on Facebook and Instagram. Phil Wolf, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me uh, doing stuff with the Herpeticulture Network as well as at knobtails.ig on Instagram, uh, showing off a bunch of geckos. And I put some snake stuff in the story. And uh, yeah, we're all one big happy Herpeticulture family. Hell yeah. As for me, portcitypet.com, portcitypet, Instagram, Facebook, all of that stuff. Justin, Phil, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having us. Good night. Later, guys. <clears throat>